Hello and welcome to the BNY Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? My face is sunburned, but I'm still happy to be here. Did you go on a long walk? Five hours. Five hours? My God, are you kidding? My God. Did, uh, does, your, does your phone track your steps? It might somewhere. I don't know. Because if you I, had... Peter, you got Hey Pikmin. Or not Hey Pikmin. Uh, what's it called? Well, Pikmin Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go tracks my steps. Because I would really oh. be interested in knowing what what a step count looks like after five hours. I mean, it was I mean it was mid it was like high fifties, low sixties, and sunny. I had to seize the day. I don't work Wednesdays; it's mm-hmm. my free day. You should definitely invest in like the inserts in your shoes if you're walking that much, Peter. Let's see. So far, I'm at the Pokemon Go tells me of this week, and the counting starts Monday. I've walked thirty seven point seven kilometers this week. I think oh, that's on, a lot. Peter. Um, we don't I, do that here. I don't really know what that means. But, <laughs> why um, kilometers? The the voice know, asking why kilometers is Mark Gorski. Hello, how are you? Oh yeah, that's me. Hi everybody. I'm doing okay. I had a great week. Uh, the Mushroom Kingdom is a wonderful place. Everybody. Yes, it is. We're, uh, we're, we are now all possible. We all have the ability to be more acquainted with the Mushroom Kingdom, and some of us here are. Others are not so much. On the other hand. I have not seen the Mario movie yet. If you guys want, let's say, three minutes on the Mario movie, you can have it right now. Peter, you go first. It was, a, it was a wonderful movie. Was it a great film? No, but it was really enjoyable. I liked it more than the Sonic movies. It was just, if just watching the movie, the animation was so fucking fluid and beautiful. The music was everything we needed it to be. Jack Black was fantastic as Bowser. I, I really liked Charlie Day as Luigi. Chris Pratt was good. Everyone overreacted. I understand people were tired of him as an actor. That's fine. That being said, I thought he was good in the movie. Respect to the, you know, the original characters. It was very well done. A lot of dumb illumination jokes in it. The story is incredibly bare bones. But again, as someone who has been a Mario fan my entire life, it was just it made it's just a, a feel good movie. It's a movie once it gets to streaming that I will just have on in the background if I'm ever like waiting to do something or cooking dinner and I don't want to start a game or start like or just you know have that on while I'm cooking. I really enjoyed it. Big cooking guy, Peter. Ever since I've started moved here, yes, I have one meal and it's chicken and rice, but I love cooking it. Uh, Mark, your thoughts? Uh. I thought it was was good enough. I I wanted so much more from this movie. As much as I I can say a lot of nice things about it, there's a lot of love in it. I think to love this movie, you have to be super engrossed in Mario and catch all the little. Let me say this: if you have no history with Mario, there's nothing for you here. Mark, this doesn't sound like an eight point eight out of ten. Um, it sounds like Chris you'd be lying if you tried to claim it was an 8.8. I, he would be. I maybe would be. Um, I definitely liked the first Sonic movie more, but not Sonic 2. I, I can still watch the first Sonic movie, and I will laugh at a lot of the jokes. They're all very corny, but like it's just so on-the-nose corny that I can't help but laugh with them as they laugh at their own jokes. But Mario movie, there's... There's only one instance I feel like I thought something was like really really funny. If it wasn't just like a on, Mark? it's uh 
it's it's going pretty viral right now. It's like the okay. thing going viral about this movie the most. That, yes, that is. I know so what like, about then. I think we, everyone who's seen the movie and has been online looking and stuff about the movie, we all know what we're talking about here. Yes, I do. I know what you're talking about. Um, but I, I did really like it. Uh, I, I, I really liked it, but I wanted it to be so much more. I, I didn't come into this movie with high expectations, but high hopes, dreams. The stars were the limit. Maybe I had set the bar a little too high. But I believed this movie could have been peak cinema, and it was. Not, uh, it's, a, it's from Illumination. Yeah, but Miyamoto was over their shoulder, and he said Chris Pratt is so cool. So you know. Did you notice in the beginning when it said a Shigeru Miyamoto production? I was like, "What?" Yeah, that's, I, that's weird. Yeah, it's... I said that. I was like, "Oh, a Miyamoto production? What the fuck?" I thought I the two parts. Okay, I'm not specific. Like, uh. At the very beginning, before the movie even starts, now we have like a film, like title card for Nintendo. I was, I, I, I yep, I was, like, I was oh, freaking out about that at the theater with the people I saw it. I was like, the small <laughs> thing. I'm just like, oh, I, I hope it comes to a point where like I will remember the first time I saw this title card here, yep. with many more to come. I mean, there definitely will be after how fucking successful mm-hmm. this movie's been so far. I mean, for the brief moment, th- there's not like a lot of emphasis on this, so it's not really a spoiler or anything. But he his names in the credits. Yes, there, yes, he is. Yeah, and I did. That's that. nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'll see it at some point. I, I uh, specifically for a movie like this, I might try and catch it more towards the end of its run. I don't like, especially since I'll probably end up going to it alone. It's like I don't want to go to a kids oh. movie alone oh. with. I did that with Sonic with too. Kids I all felt, around me. I felt oh. like I was going to be arrested when I left the theater. Hey. I felt disgusting. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I was surrounded by kids, and it's like I, I'm 25. Oh, and I'll go see the movie a third time. I don't mind going again. We want to get a crew together. We, we we might be able to work it out. I'm gonna be. You will never. You two will never see this movie together. It, it's there. it's likely that we won't because the best time for me to see it is I'll be I'll be dog sitting at a place that is that is near a movie theater in the coming weeks, and I I feel like I'll have downtime during that that I'll end up deciding to go see it. Um, but. You know, Mark, I I was really banking on you coming in here hot on the movie. Uh, oh, uh, what about your Pittsburgh journey? You saw it in Pittsburgh. How was that? I did. Uh, it was really cool. The movie theater there was really nice. A lot of people there. I saw a couple of people in the Mario hats. I definitely went to see it alongside people who weren't all just kids. But like, it wasn't all Mario super fans. Also, like this movie's bringing people to the theaters. Even oh yeah, just. I was hanging out in a coffee shop in Pittsburgh on one of my last days and just saw a couple of people come in just talking with the coworkers and they're not Mario fans and just asking, hey, you see that Mario movie? Yeah, it was brought up on a politics podcast I listened to. I was like, what? I, I really hope this becomes like one of the top five highest grossing films of all time, just so I can like oh, say I, that at people. I, I don't know about that. You're not I getting that. It. It's going to be a billion. It's going to be a massive success, but it's not. I don't think. Okay, I we can't say for certain because it's only been a few days, but I do not think it's going to be top five of all time. I want James Cameron to fucking despise the Mario Brothers after we're <laughs> said and done here. That's something I can sign up for. Thanks, Mark. I, I, I'm shaking your hand. I agree. I want James Cameron <laughs> to be like, that's a cinema. Fuck the, you, Mario. Fuck you, Luigi. And you, you too, Donkey Kong. Fuck you guys. Get like That's what a, I want him to say. 
uh, edit where instead of Tom Cruise next to Spielberg, it's it's Mario next to Spielberg. Spielberg just thanking him for saving movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I don't know about you. I guys, I I said this before. Like, oh yeah, it's it's a, it's still a fine movie. I liked it because of my history of Mario. I really, I one thing I will say, Jack Black is so fucking good in this movie. He is. He's he's easily he's the best part of the movie. He's like the best thing consistently through it. Or it's just like, all right, you you really are a great Bowser. Not just are you a great Bowser, but like you are a different flavor of Bowser, and you're gonna sit so long as we get more of these and just keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up. Like the Jack Black Bowser will be a staple Bowser. I loved I loved Bowser in this movie. Mm -hmm. He was the best part of the movie. I just I loved him. Mm -hmm. And to not. To not spoil anything about this, just a small thing, a little thing that I also did really love. The role they gave Charles Martinet, wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I I thought that was great. I was really worried they might drop the ball with that and just be like, oh, this this is good. whatever, he's this role. But it's like, ah, yes, that's great. Perfect. Also, Perfect. I'm, I can't say because spoilers. I'm, I, we talked to us a bit on the podcast, but I just want it on the podcast. After seeing this movie, I am more confident in my prediction of a Donkey Kong movie being announced this year. Mark, for some reason, is less confident in that. And I don't understand how he could be. Um. Well, we'll just see when we get there. Only thing to you, Owen, and anyone else who has not seen the movie and is planning to go see it, uh, there is a very, very late post-credit scene. A lot of people in my screening were walking out after this. Like, I did not see it. Really? Yeah, I looked it up. I didn't know. I didn't know Nintendo was doing Marvel. I didn't know that. So Fools. I. We... Every movie now, I wait till the post-credit scene. I have mm, to see the lights no, turn on. I I've, have to. I've begun to resist this. I have to. I, I, see, I, I will embrace this with open arms. No. I did not know this. It, it, it's simply a matter of, like, Marvel has conditioned me. They have me for the credits. All all the rest of you? No. You don't have me for the credits. I, D- I Do something with- that warrants it. With arms wide open, if Nintendo says we want to do it, um, I'll take it. If they just yeah, have like mud can. that they want to feed me from their pocket and say like this is good for you, I'll say please give me. Oh uh, well, yes, you, you enjoyed like, the not, Wii U. I will never you've, be full. You've done it. Uh, <laughs> I don't own a Wii U though, but Mark, I own. Did you like the post credit scene? I've now seen it. Did you like it? That's it's interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I, I want, I, I'm curious, uh, never mind, I don't want to say too much about it, but. Yeah. Uh, well, random, random spoilers for, for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, if the, if this is really a problem for you, uh, let's skip ahead of you, but it's offensive. Not only one, I, they, they literally pull in that post credit scene, like, I'm, Blorkity blue, come with me. I don't want to talk about this. I don't. So, like, so they I don't, do that. I don't enjoy talking about Marvel anymore. I've unfollowed several Marvel podcasts. I've unfollowed all my Marvel subreddits. I've unfollowed several people on Twitter. I just don't. I don't. I don't fucking like it anymore. It just makes me sad. The the last thing I have to be mad about though is that the ending of the movie he grows this eye and it's like this freaky thing. And then they just like completely undermine it in the post credit scene. It's just like this silly little thing he's living with now. Like mm-hmm. it was never, it was never meant to be this thing that we thought more than two seconds about. I mean, I still think back to I love this is my favorite joke to make about the MCU is just pointing back to the first Spider Man movie where there was a post credit scene introducing a villain from Spider Man and his that character is not shown up. 
or even been hinted at, as far as I'm aware, in the entirety of the MCU. It's been many years since then, yes. right, Peter? When did the first yeah. one come out? 2017. Yeah, it's been six years, and they they teased this character. It's just like, well, we've had two more Spider-Man movies. But, Sony you know. is Sony. Look, I will always love the MCU. Truly, I will. But I have hardened much more so into my stance of I can't enjoy everyone just hating everything anymore. I, not even just Marvel. Like, just anyone, anyone who considers themselves to be like a very cynical person or something. Um, am I gone or? No, nah, that's Peter. Whatever He's gone. Okay, pass, P- like, Peter's lagging. Peter, you're lagging. Hello. Hello. Okay, we hear you again. Yes. Welcome back. Hello. You were saying, Peter. I was saying, what was the last thing you heard? You started with the you don't like everyone hating everything now. Yeah. I... And we're losing him again. I can't believe this happened right when he was yeah. ready to continue again. Yeah, I. We'll get him back in a moment, and mm-hmm. he can elaborate on this more. Stuff. But uh, while he lags, I'm going to say, as far as the everyone hating every everything thing, I agree with the sentiment, but I do think that people turned on the MCU when it became lower quality. And I am okay with people. I don't want to talk about Marvel. I don't want to talk about this. Well, what we could say is that how sad is it going to be, guys, that next year when we do our like our predictions and someone has to vote, to or not vote, but we're going to pick a game for each other, we can't pick Square Enix's Avengers. We can't make each other play that next year because it's shutting down in September. How sad is that? Not very. But Peter, are are you oh. with us yet? Are are you with us in a in a clear capacity? I don't know. Everything nothing has changed on my end. Um What do I sound like? You ju- you just sound robo. I'm gonna kick He's... you and you're gonna join back. That's what's gonna happen. Alright. Um uh, oh Jesus, I I always almost kick you from the server. How do I disconnect you? Come on, come on, come on. He's back. Peter, tell us about the seashells. Uh, look, I understand Marvel's no longer what it was. It never will be, because everyone just wants Endgame again, and that's fine. I still really like it. Yes, I, like, look, everyone, no one has an original Marvel opinion. No one has an original Marvel take. We've heard them all. Whether or not you still really like it, or you still really don't, everyone, we fucking know. There's nothing left to be said. Marvel's going to be in the rearview mirror. Superhero movies are going to be in the rearview mirror. Like I said, video games are the next big thing. Last of Us broke the TV door, or you broke the fucking ceiling for video game movies. Like I fucking said, both of them. And while they're doing that, you're seeing Master Chief's ass cheeks, and Xbox just continues to act like that, just to remind everyone they're not beast right now. Okay, fair enough. Um... Quick programming note. Uh, We missed a few weeks here. I think in order to avoid that happening in the future, we are going to outright commit to a a bi-weekly schedule. We have some schedule changes coming up in our lives. Everyone knows we don't do this full-time. There are definitely weeks when we've done it weekly where we have felt like we're grasping at straws, and we 
don't like putting out episodes where it feels that way. So assume bi-weekly, maybe going forward, maybe not, because we do want to hit episode 100. If episode 100 comes out next week, don't don't be surprised if we kept it weekly until then. But uh, after that, it'll be more of a bi-weekly situation. But that being said, <laughs> episode 100 doesn't show up right away. That is because we weren't able to get the ideal circumstances for recording episode 100 of not getting shortchanged. So is it, you think the considering we are potentially one week away from episode 100, is it okay to announce what it's, what we're thinking of doing it as? Yes. And uh, P- Peter has very heavily hinted at this before, mm-hmm. but uh, if you haven't picked up on any of that, Mark, do you want to do the announcement? Yeah, so for episode 100, it's going to be a special occasion. We we think it's a big deal going into triple digits for a podcast. I I definitely feel that way. And we've come to notice that throughout the entirety of us doing this podcast, we just haven't really talked about what each of our like top 10 favorite games of all time lists whatsoever. So we thought it'd be really fun. The whole episode is just going to be the three of us going breaking down our top 10 lists. Just really kind of spilling the beans on that, talking about the t- the best games of our lives, and just kind of going into the games that are important to us. We've been refining them and working on them, our lists, uh, for the past couple of months, making sure we get it right. So stay tuned for that, everybody. We think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm have you two made lists yet? I oh, yeah. I do have a working list currently. I'm I'm not positive it's the final list, but uh, the last thing I settled on, I did feel okay about. Um, How many honorable mentions will we want to have? I have five right now, but I can slim that if you want me to. I have zero, but I can find some. I want to say I have about five because I'm I'm doing it in one of those like game tracking apps that I have. It's called Backlogged, and uh, I I did it BNY list style where on on this list I added every single game that I thought had potential. And then ordered it from there. And I I really only probably added 15 or 16 games. Uh, so I, I should have five or six honorable mentions. All right. That's it for the programming note. Let's get into it. We are as tired as the rest of the gaming world about the Activision Blizzard situation with Xbox. But... We have a chance to take some jabs at Jim Ryan here. Peter, if you can tee us up for what we're talking about here. Do you smell that? Do you smell that, guys? I do. It smells like someone needs to have their diaper changed because Jim Ryan can't stop shitting and pissing everywhere. According to VG Charts, Quote from Jim Ryan about the Activision Blizzard deal. Sorry, my phone was buffering. Now I have it. Quote, (laughs) our business would never recover if Microsoft degraded Call of Duty on PlayStation. So the CMA is getting closer and closer to okaying the deal. Thank God. I can't wait for all this shit to be over. All of us can't wait for this shit to be over. And... Politicians that were previously 
you know, being friendly with PlayStation. They're not starting to show signs of uh, Xbox has the best lawyers and lobbying firms in the world, and they're finally starting to get their way. And PlayStation reacted like a perfectly sane and rational, you know, the adults in the room that they are. And Jim Ryan put out a public statement, and it was just, he was, he, it's just Jim Ryan freaking out. I want, I'm, how big of, I, it's, it's a big quote. How much of the quote do you want me to read? It's not like pages of a paragraph or so. Do you want me to read the whole paragraph or? Um, if it's just a paragraph, you, you can read a paragraph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I'll read a bit from the article and then read. So, Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO Jim Ryan and the company's response to the UK regulator, the Competition and Market Authority, Addendum stated PlayStation, quote, would never cover if Microsoft were to release a degraded version of Call of Duty on PlayStation if its acquisition of Activision Blizzard were to be approved. Ryan said a degraded version of Call of Duty on PlayStation would, quote, seriously damage our reputation. Our gamers would desert our platform in droves and network effects would exasperate the problem. Our business would never recover. Unquote. What the fuck is he talking about? So it, it, it's it's definitely a real blow though, like to, to lose Call of Duty. We all understand that we've but known no, that. No, they're not they're not losing it. Call of Duty. He's not losing it. It's not going anywhere. It's the whole fucking thing. The the issue is not that they're, they're not losing it, far from it, and it seems like the result of all of this will will make sure that they never lose it. This claim from PlayStation came out of the woodwork like a month or two ago of, well, you know, Xbox could just ruin the PlayStation version. And then they, they kind of pitched that hot take and kind of looked around the room to see if anyone agreed with them. And it's the type of thing that like, well, I guess they technically could, but does, does anyone have any expectation that that would be the case because no something like that if if these two companies were were in a literal war against each other like physical altercation maybe one of them would play cheap but i do not think that microsoft could ever get away with a move like that um and that that seems to be the takeaway of most people of like that's not actually a concern to bring up because, uh, one, that type of move would just be like too sinister. People would turn on Microsoft uh, because of all of this uh, legislative intervention. Uh, there might even be things that end up in the paperwork that would actively prevent such a thing. Um or or make something like that heavily investigated. And two, uh I guess this because of these claims, this certainly means that Microsoft has to be more careful in the sense that there's a lot of volatility in game development. There have been plenty of examples of games that work well on one platform and don't work well on the other. Call of Duty cannot be one of those games. They have to work well on all platforms, except for maybe the Switch. The Switch might be able to take the degraded version. Um, 
and have that be that. But as far as the the Jim Ryan crying wolf situation here, I just it it reeks of like a last ditch argument of bringing in hypotheticals to try and convince people of your side. Um, And it just doesn't seem like a very realistic one to me. Activision makes tens of millions of dollars on Call of Duty on PlayStation every year, and that will soon transfer to Xbox. Why would Xbox deliberately make a worse version of this game on another popular platform when they directly profit from it? It doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. And with the cancellation of E3, you know, RIP E3, Mark, I know you think it'll come back. It won't. E3's dead forever. But regardless, go on, go on. I was watching a bunch of highlights of PlayStation's past at E3, and I'm seeing faces like Jack Trenton, Jack Butler, Sean Layden, even like people like uh, Adam Boys, Geo Corsi, even like Andrew House, seeing all these people over the years when we were teenagers and it's like, and getting into our 20s, it's like, oh my God, I remember when they announced a fun game. Well, that's great. That's awesome. And you have this history of PlayStation figures too. Yes, I know it's a business. I'm not stupid to that. But still, these guys came out and just felt like human beings who, while they did work for PlayStation, they felt like people like, you know, like authentic human beings capable of like emotions and deep thoughts and had more, could focus on more than one topic and made me, you know, added the excitement to the PlayStation platform. Then you get to the current man in charge. And I got to tell you, I'm fuck. I I'm so fucking sick of Jim, of Jim Ryan already. The way he's just making PlayStation a less fun place to be and talk about. Like, I mean, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to how badly PSVR two is doing. It's doing very badly. Yeah, I've I've like, I've heard a bit about it. Mm-hmm. PSVR two to me is I was out on a walk the other day. This is where my mind went. Jim Ryan is future Biff and Back to the Future two, and PlayStation VR two is Marty, and the PlayStation brand is Marty's mother. He is just like PlayStation VR two was concocted of a PlayStation before Jim Ryan's time. They had already invested so much money into the hardware itself, they couldn't go back. And they are just... This PlayStation VR is there because PlayStation's there. Jim Ryan could not give a less... Could not give less of a shit about PlayStation VR 2. It's going to die a horrible death. It could have been more, but this PlayStation does not care about really being that creative or thinking outside the box. They're just remakes of previous games... You're gonna have the I bet you're gonna have the Horizon Zero Dawn remake announced this year, and you're all you're gonna be able to collectively hear the eye rolls from across the industry. And the the rumored PlayStation showcase that's coming next month, I want there to be new games and new IPs shown. I bet we won't see any. And I'm just I'm sick of this guy. I'm fucking sick of this guy. Like, whenever Herman Holst has interviews or talks, I enjoy Herman. It's like, oh, this seems like a guy who really cares about the games themselves and knows what he's talking about. And then whenever, like, I say that, but, like, Andrew House and Sean Lane and Jack Tredden, they never worked on games, I don't believe. Like, they were businessmen, but 
they came off as more authentic and likable and actually passionate about the ecosystem where Jim Ryan just sees dollar signs. And I'm just fucking sick of this whiny baby. Do you guys think there is something like within the next year or two, something Jim Ryan, PlayStation, anybody in-house could do, announce, or change that could really light the fire here, that really reignite the hype well, in PlayStation? I would say the hi- I would say PlayStation's technically still doing well. I mean, the software's still mm-hmm. selling well. Hardware is selling as quickly as it can, and then yet, I mean, then you have the Last of Us blowing up in HBO. PlayStation's technically doing well, but in terms of like, like PlayStation Four, like PlayStation Experience, that sort of like love and hype and energy behind mm-hmm. it, announced Jim Ryan is stepping down. That would on like I'd probably be right that there. Would help. That's the most exciting yeah. thing PlayStation yes. could do. Oh, my favorite video game announcement, Jim Ryan is unemployed. Like that's I'll take that. <laughs> I would take that over Sly Cooper or Jack and yes. coming back. I'm I, not gonna I, lie. Unironically right now, because if they if they were to announce a Sly Cooper under him, I would just feel like, oh, it's not gonna get that much love. It's not gonna get that much marketing. It's going to get one announcement channel on a PlayStation Showcase and then be advertised through Twitter for the rest of it. And it's going to come out to, like, no noise and just be left to die. Mm-hmm. But so, Venom 3 will be right there in theaters. I have a few different things here. One of them is a slightly unrelated PSVR 2 note that I'll say real quick. Is I don't know if you guys have this experience, like, at work or if you're just talking to someone you're like you know kind of tangentially and that's what i was doing i was talking to this um guy guy who is friends with my uh girlfriend's roommate and you know i i I talked to him loosely about like games and star wars and marvel like kind of just generic stuff like that and i hate being in the position of when I'm talking games with someone and what they're telling me is wrong. I know they're wrong because like I'm up to date on this stuff and, and we're fucking gaming podcasters. So we know, (laughs) we know what this stuff is. Mm -hmm. And, but, but I never want to enter like the, now let me actually explain this to you mode. Mm-hmm. And this this example happened the other day when he's telling me like he really wants a PSVR two, and he listed off reasons. I was giving kind of like a oh oh really like that kind of reaction the whole time. I was like yeah I don't I don't really know about that. And he's listing off things like oh yeah they're they're really going hard with supporting this one like you can you can do some really cool stuff in it like you can play all of horizon forbidden west in vr and it's like no what no, that's, you can't that's not oh, right no um and they're going so hard like and i want to play his psvr too i kind of just i i let it go of like a oh yeah i know i mean i'll keep an eye on it because i i don't like in social circles, I don't I don't publicize that I do this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it made me it made me feel bad. It's like uh, they just they've done so bad with marketing PSVR, and it's it's gonna be a situation of you know maybe maybe 
16 or 17 year old Owen would have would have really thought the PSVR 2 was going to be really cool and not known better uh, just from not looking into it well enough. And then you spend all this money and it's just going to be a fucking paperweight in mm-hmm. like a year or two. It's really sad. It's a PlayStation that doesn't want to be creative right now. They don't want to think outside the box. You're not going to see a lot of fun games on this system that you saw on like PS3 and early PS4 where PlayStation was getting, you know, thinking like really out there thing, like ideas for the first party games. It's just going to be more over the like over the shoulder third person action adventure sequels and live service games. And that's it. Like yeah. I just Now P- Peter, you have gotten mad at me in the past for for constantly going down this road have you have you finally hit a point where you are yes, accepting it yes yes and the the ps the way they treated psvr2 and jim ryan's just just shitting in his diaper attitude over the activision blizzard acquisition deal is what's really been like you know this playstation is not one for the fans like i'll still i'll still turn on astro's playroom while i'm like like the other day I was waiting for a game to download on uh, PlayStation 5. And I was like, oh, I'll just play some Astro while I'm waiting. And I still turned that on. And lo and behold, I feel a warm fuzzy in my stomach. And I'm just really happy playing it. And I'm just walking around levels or walking around all the trophies and collectibles I've gotten. And I'm just really happy. And I was like, yeah, I really do love PlayStation. I've had such a great history of PlayStation dating back to PS2. There's so many franchises I love. So many moments with this company. So many games that I just adore. And all that love is still there for PlayStation and the software and the hardware. But then I'm reminded of Biff. And I'm just like, oh, Biff. Eh, go away. Please, just, you're, you're being mean. You're ruining the experience. Stop. Mm-hmm. And, but that's really where I'm at right now. Is I, more, Biff, yeah, he's ruining everything. The, the other thing I wanted to say is that Jim Ryan claiming that Call of Duty is the thing that will make people leave the platform in droves. I'm I'm sure there's some reality to like if Call of Duty was no longer there or it was objectively worse, they would lose some people. But PlayStation is is a very strong brand that has been with us a long time. And I don't think that Jim Ryan can destroy that because i think they've done enough legwork to make it so that it can always be reestablished. but i don't think there's any question that he's the most dangerous person to the playstation yes. brand like we and again i didn't even bring up other quotes he's talked about how not, there's nothing we can make that can come close to how much call of duty sells or performs there's nothing in our arsenal like obviously, but like God of War Ragnarok sold 11 million in a fucking month. What are we talking about here? We're acting like these first-party games aren't profitable at all, and that no one mm-hmm. buys them. There's, I mean, I can't just, I'm like look at the success of the Last of Us TV show. Like these are incredibly well-beloved IPs and franchises you have, but he just looks at them with such open contempt. Like if if you're a Corey Barlog's team working on their new IP over at Sony Santa Monica. And I assume it's a first person, like a uh, single-player narrative story-based game. How 
are you going to feel about this brand new world you're creating if your boss keeps openly admitting to judges and courts that he doesn't believe in what you're making and doesn't think much of it compared to generic first-person shooter U.S. propaganda like military game that comes out every year that they don't even own? That they don't even own. Like, how is that gonna? Are you gonna feel motivated to make the best game you can, that that you can? Are you gonna feel excited to be part of this PlayStation family? I don't think I would. I feel pretty fucking pissed off. I mean, I don't think Corey Barlog is alone or anyone at Sony Santa, uh, Sony Santa Monica that the studios have disagreed with Jim Ryan and the higher-ups a lot. And I think it's very common with a lot of the talent at most, many, I don't want to say most, many AAA studios is just executives and investors and people so high up in the chain when whatever they're prioritizing is just so conflicting to whatever the studios are making, but it just so happens to be Jim Ryan is a very special flavor of uh, like, investors. Uh, and sure, they don't know. I mean, whatever you, uh, Mark, have you ever read interviews of like investor meetings for Nintendo? Uh, I see Twitter threads of them. So yeah, I don't actually these people are they're they're fucking. They don't know up from down. They don't know left from right. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the fuck a video game is. They have no idea and, what the fuck to talk about. And it's like sucks, they're always going to say that shit. But like, I mean, we have a history of these suits with Jack Tren and Andrew House and Sean Lane. Like these people who don't work on games but still come off as like charismatic and caring mm-hmm. about the like what they're working on. Like the video, like of Andrew, like the fucking like thirty minute, that's a thirty second video of like Andrew House, like meeting with Hideo Kojima and shaking his head and out saying, "Yeah, we're working on a, we're working on a game," with Hideo Kojima. You try to get Jim Ryan to do that, he would be like, "I'm too good for this." Who's who? Who is Hideo Kojima? I don't know who that is. And like, also, just... I don't think if if uh oh my god, I'm I'm forgetting his name jim ryan jim ryan you you listed so many businessmen it's like is it jim house what is it uh if he goes to kojima productions i don't think kojima would do a full body scan of jim ryan i don't think he'd do it he does it for everyone the second he went to like an actual game developer's office his skin would start to burn upon entering the door he's not that's not where he belongs Going back to Mark's question of is there anything that could make us feel better? And while I agree with the general take that you guys have of like Jim Ryan has stepped down would make us feel better. There's there's like a what feels like it's like a 2% chance now mm-hmm. that they'll just show a bunch of games that like they look like PlayStation games and they're going to be super high quality and everyone will realize like, oh, okay, well, we were just fine the whole time. There's a chance that happens, but what's much more likely is that everything that's been reported on for the last, what feels like three or four years of what their plans going forward are, will start becoming a little clearer and we're going to see that those reported plans are in fact the plans and no one's going to be happy about it. I I can't imagine anyone being happy about it unless one of these live service games actually does hit uh, mm-hmm. in which case people will be happy about that one game but they won't be happy about the failed ones uh of which there will be many uh we we can get more into the construction of live service in in the mm-hmm. next topic here but 
anymore on PlayStation just, in general. I I just want to say that in in relation to what we're talking about here, with how Jim services or Jim service Jim Ryan is running things, definitely cooking a whole bunch of live service games because he thinks that's the future. And there's definitely a lot of money there, but at work, a lot of coworkers of mine, a lot of gamers there. But like I I understand that. Me or any of us here are playing very different games that a lot of my coworkers are. And I hear them talk about games. They're talking about Overwatch. They're talking about Valorant. They're talking about Siege, even Counter-Strike. It's like all multiplayer stuff. And when I'm finally getting asked at some point, just like I'm sure sometimes I'll talk about the games they're playing because I know decent what I do a game podcast. No one. I, I do actually work with one other guy who does a game podcast, but not anyone else. And the question came up when someone's asking, hey, Mark, what, okay, what games do you really play? And they bring up, I play some Nintendo stuff. I bring up what I'm playing right now, which I'll get to in a bit. And they're like, oh, you're one of those single player guys. And that sat with me. I'm just like, one of those single player guys. It made me really think of this audience because we all know games are more profitable than they've ever been. They are the future. They're they are huge. Uh, but... It makes me wonder makes me wonder and speculate more about this games as a service demographic and like, okay, this is someone like who just and I know I have a lot of coworkers that feel single player is just not something they want to touch. They only want to touch multiplayer stuff, and that's really weird to me. I don't understand why you draw that line, but I imagine they're not alone. I imagine this is very this is more common than I might want to give it credit for. And I wonder if PlayStation sees that kind of community, if you even want to call it community, but like that's like the lens they see games as. It's like games are most valuable when they're just kind of like this casual, we're not bringing people there. It is just this service. You come here and don't make much of it. And then I, I think of that in contrast, like Peter was saying in the past about celebrating the fandoms where we used to have the PSX. And I think that would be super cool. But like that... That's something I think is something I would dig into if, if we want to spend too much time on it. I understand we don't want to talk too much about it, but just like investing in their fans is something I don't think they want to do. And I, I don't know if that's if that is the really the identity of a PlayStation is, is that they just want to like be like, we are PlayStation. We have games and not really care more about that these games and just like put up these services and it's like here play your games guys we're playstation we put out quality instead of just like loving these things that sounds so so soulless i would rather like really a testament to what we were saying before how exciting it would be to see jim ryan step down i would i would happily never talk about switch pro again if jim ryan stepped down and maybe wow. we had a direction of a different thing like a different direction like that like I, we could probably go off here and list like things in this industry, in the video game industry, that would be more exciting to us than Jim Ryan stepping down. And maybe we're yeah, putting like a I, lot on the line. Mark like, is meeting my energy a lot more than I expected, and it makes me happy because I really can't stress enough how much I like. I mean, I don't hate him as a person, but like as the head of PlayStation, how much I hate Jim Ryan in that mm -hmm. position. It's. I mean, we all care about games so much here, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and he doesn't. I, and he just really doesn't and playstation has cared about games and treated them right so well in past generations and there still is a lot of quality the studios playstation studios are still putting out quality uh really uh, good stuff that they care about whether i've played them or not i can't say for sure but i got of War ragnarok was a great game and i think small tangent later in the year we should definitely have another re not replaying ragnarok but we got to have another talk about it later a year in six months later 
something for us to talk about because oh and we'll oh and we'll change my a, a, a peek behind the curtains to fans is that behind the scenes another chat of ours showed up because there's there's beef about our God of War Ragnarok episode that has to be <laughs> to be uncovered like we we really got to go back hey everyone here's a spoiler cast for God of War Ragnarok let's talk about gameplay first off oh, which what a great idea well which hey, I think hey. is relevant that's still very it, relevant, no it made no sense it's no, a spoiler I think cast. No. we talked about gameplay first that made absolutely no sense I was sitting there in bafflement. Maybe. The entire time, like if I go into a spoiler cast and the and the spoiler cast talks about gameplay for the first forty minutes, I'm going to go watch another spoiler cast. Maybe we spent more time on gameplay than we should have, but I think it well, was sure, definitely someone very had relevant. more to say on gameplay than he did story. And you know what? I think we'll revisit it later. But the the point being, um, Sony is still putting out great stuff. Uh, but it's just kind of like, uh embedded into just their stream of just like not a lot of personality not a lot of charisma and care to these in celebration for these franchises or their games like they used to have it is just uh, herman holst is doing what he can but it's yeah it's, he can't carry it all on his back it's also it, a lot of the good that we've still experienced i believe is still hangover from the sean layden era uh mm-hmm. God of War Ragnarok certainly was. I I bet Spider Man Two might have been as well. Um, that that might be closer to the edge. But um, uh, the main flaw with PlayStation is that under Jim Ryan, they take their diehard fans to the bank, and they know that they're going to show up. So the most valuable thing to them is the person that they haven't sold to yet. They're just trying to make sales. That is the messaging that they've given off of. That is their priority. They're they're not interested in the health of their community because they feel that their their community will just be there no matter what. Um and I think that's upsetting. But uh going off of Mark's coworkers calling him out for being a single player guy. Uh, that's fine. And I, I realize that a lot of people play multiplayer games. Uh, I think one, we've gotten plenty of evidence of there is not an infinite player base for these games. Mm-hmm. And if a game does not, uh, show, to be of high enough quality, it, it just won't have a sustained player base. And two, this is my big old man yells at cloud thing. Uh, and I've, I've had plenty of rants about games as a service, but like back in my day, they were just called multiplayer games. And mm-hmm. these developers would try and make a game that was fun for friends or strangers to play with each other or against each other. And the, the lifestyle change of these games where in order to keep you satisfied, all of these games pretty much require you to replay the same things over and over again in order to achieve anything is just not a fun experience. And I wish 
that the gaming public at large agreed with me. Um, I I wouldn't be shocked if it if it actually agrees with me more than it seems, and a lot of those games have large player bases because it feels like there's nothing else at the moment. But it's just sad, and I I feel like we should just tee up the second topic so that we can bring it into conversation, which is uh everything going on around multiverses which we talked about quite a bit on the pod because it's a platform fighter uh which mark and peter are big fans of there were reports about how its player base dropped off 99 percent from launch and no one was playing it anymore and then they randomly announced like oh hey guys beta's over but it wasn't it wasn't because the full game was ready it was they just took the beta down and, and the full game is coming at a different time. Uh, and that's a problem because people have invested money in that game and there was never any expectation that this would happen. So more live service nonsense. Mm -hmm. The line's really getting blurred with like, Oh, beta is ending versus like, I don't know, just like, oh, we're going to take a step back from this and readdress this, but like, it's, this is a very unique situation that I think is if really... If that player base didn't drop, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, absolutely. That's correct, I, but this is my number one takeaway from the multiverses situation. Were people going to play multiverses for the rest of their lives? I mean, not, no, not, not but, really like the rest of their lives, but like one of, I think they would like to hope that multiverses is, is a game for people who like have a rotation of like multiplayer games, whether it's fighting games or not, um, that this stays in their rotation as they update it. But of course, they weren't necessarily, they, they were updating it for a while at first, first couple of months, characters were constantly kind of coming out, but um. It just really wasn't uh, enough there. And there's there's a lot about that game that is unpolished still. So maybe there is a lot to benefit from going for a relaunch here. But I, I, don't, I, I don't I don't think, think there is. Because if the business model is sustained players at all times, that can't happen for a game like that. Now, it would be totally fine if... 1.5 million people bought it for $40. That would be a success. Uh, at least it used to be considered a success. And those 1.5 million people, they could play it for 10 minutes. And it doesn't matter. Uh, people don't play games. Uh, the vast majority of games do not warrant being a part of your rotation for more than three to five weeks but the ones that do are the biggest multiplayer mm. games of all time owen and was yeah. there any any chance that a game like multiverses could be that way i think fortnite has completely i think your question doesn't matter anymore because i think for a lot of these developers who would have thought fortnite when that first keely trailer that we saw in like 2010 or 2011 who would have thought watching that this game would have come to big like one of the biggest games of all time like no one would no, have thought that. No, absolutely no one. And, and you're right, but like we're talking lottery ticket stuff here. If I 
if I am in the conference rooms of some of these games getting developed, I would be banging the table of like, guys, like, open your eyes. Fortnite isn't happening again. It's not going to happen. And I'm not even saying I necessarily disagree with you. But a lot of I but for my thing then is like, all right, well, if they try to make this a typical multiplayer game, it's going to fail right away. Well, right? now, now it is. Uh, the cat's out of yeah, the bag. We've all played multiverses. Yeah. Nowadays, if you just try to do like a multiplayer game, no one's going to buy or buy it or play it. And if they do, not nearly as many as a live service game, and many of these people will fall off. Where I'm at, my angle is there's really there's no more room for any live service games. If a person wants to be a part of a li- wants to have a live service game in their life, they already have it in the rotation. Like. Destiny players are always going to have Destiny. The amount of time they need to put into that game to stay up to date with it, they don't have any room for another game. And in terms of the more like competitive multiplayer games, like Fortnite fans are still there, Apex fans are still there, Valorant fans are still there. Like people, they have their fill. They have their bone to chew on. There's no more room. Like it's like we cannot fit any more occupants. We are at max capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the only things that we ever talk about as being able to break into it are established already. So I think there there is a chance that if The Last of Us Factions is what That's we assume it to be, of. that could be a success for PlayStation. Why is that? It's because The Last of Us is an established thing already. And it's... Uh, Already a high-quality video game. Converting it to this form. It has a lot of new fans now. There's a chance. The other thing, there's a chance, if done well. And there is still a chance for this. Is if Halo ever does it well, there's a space for Halo. But they haven't been able to fulfill that promise. Um, I don't think there's really room for anyone else. Maybe, like, if if... I, I, I don't even I think, just, like, a Star Wars could break in, to be honest. I don't think they could do it. I will say, I am more... Part of me is always morbidly curious about certain types of genres and games of, well, what does Nintendo take? Like, what does that look like? Like, we saw they were taking a third-person shooter, and it was Splatoon. And it was an instant, massive success for them. So I do think of, like, what does, like, a battle a Nintendo Battle Royale or, like, a Nintendo well, Live Series game, like, what does that actually look like? I do think Splatoon, even though it is, I, I guess we could point it and be like, oh, that's the closest thing to Nintendo live service as, as there is. But like, it's still so different. Than I'm not what, calling like, it live service, to be fair. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, like, uh, if the live service definition is as broad as it seems to be, I guess. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a $60 multiplayer game. It uh, is, and I get. I, I guess the thing I really want to point out there is like, because we're like looking at the Nintendo spin on things, like where so many AAA devs uh, are just so gung ho about like, okay, what is like optimal monetization business model for our game? Whether is that a detriment to the actual core experience by implementing uh, battle passes, microtransactions, whatever you name it, uh, whatever that core loop is uh, on top of just the rewards you get. Nintendo does not. Nintendo really hasn't done anything 
like that necessarily. Like their games are still sixty dollars, and they just don't drop from that price. There's not a what. What is the most successful free to play Nintendo game that isn't a mobile game? Can you? Can, I don't think there is such a thing. I don't think there is such a thing, and I think the answer of like, if Nintendo took this route, what would they do? I mean, I guess, I guess it would be Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because the, the old, oh, go on. Well, I was gonna say because like, it combines a lot of things, and they would be able to monetize characters and stuff like that, and. This should not be the case, and we're seeing mm-hmm. it fail with multiverses. Obviously, Smash Bros. is a far superior game, and if they did that conversion, people would be there. Uh, you guys included would be there for, for the live service version of Smash Bros., mm-hmm. but so help me God if this ever happens. It'll be a problem. I- I, 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 the only way I could possibly be down with this, like that transition to that kind of model. And like, I'm not saying I am on board with that, but like the way you have my attention is like, Hey, super smash brothers ultimate. It's free to play. Now we are going to just keep adding more characters and cosmetics and cosmetics. I want skins. And it's like, Oh, like, like it gets more, I'm sure that's way more complicated with smash because there's so much third party involved, but like that's just, this just to see more content in that game that already has so much that I, 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 I could be persuaded to be into that. But then how do you react when every new character is just an echo fighter of another? Like, (laughs) I'm fine. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely. You're talking like, to the wrong guys here. You, you, I wait, would, yeah, wait, you talked to the. I, I, I am upset that in DLC there were no Echo Fighters. I'm yeah, not me lie too. On. I, I don't know. Like if, if Do we you know, got, Mark we and I were a master chief, each other. If we got a master chief that just played like a very much like Snake, I think that would be disappointing. You would, okay, you would that want a more happen. unique. No, Master Chief okay. is nothing. Okay, like this is Snake where we, we put up our glasses and we're just like, well, actually, Owen, if they were to be Echo Fighter, they would meet a very specific criteria or criteria because that's how soccer I would like. Yeah, Mark no. and I have texted. Mark and I will text each other randomly. It's a crime that Shadow the Hedgehog is not an Echo Fighter. Yeah, no. What what yeah, I, what I mean by is, what I mean by the Echo Fighter situation is like if we if their live service solution was just kind of like copy paste new skin because mm-hmm. that's what live service does to games mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't think that would be something to be happy about i think the closest okay here's one thing we could point out the closest thing nintendo's done with live service here is the nintendo switch online bonus pack that comes with the n64 games and the certain dlcs for their games where they got Splatoon 2, Animal Crossing, and Mario Kart all on there. And, like, that is the most service you get. Where, like, slowly at the beginning, this package was, like, so bare bones and everyone hated it and thought this was absolutely not worth the price. Now, there's just so much in there. I think it's definitely worth the price if it's something you're interested in. If you don't own the DLCs like that. With that as it is, like, I think it's cool. It sucks that at first it wasn't really there didn't have the value and they're not really they're like they come back every now and then and be like oh surprise we haven't talked about this in two years there's game boy games on here now and i guess pokemon stadium we threw that on here too 
and other N64 titles that are slowly trickling their way. But like, it's really in the background. And of course, I don't think anyone looks at that and thinks, ah, yes, Nintendo, one of Nintendo's primary forms of monetization, Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass. But it's there. I I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I have no issues with that. And uh, it's something that they've definitely taken advantage of, but Nintendo monetizing their past is something oh, yeah. that I would say they've they've mostly earned the right to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with the multiverses thing, I just keep falling back on like that who was going to make multiverses their lifestyle if mark gorski isn't going to do it no one is like when this relaunch happens i'll definitely be curious like if they really are going to polish the game a whole bunch and this isn't just like oh we fixed some bugs and we just really want to go for another relaunch because games make the most money at launch like with rare occasions where games maybe do better later like a rainbow six siege sort of thing but uh, I don't think multiverses can really get to Rainbow Six uh, levels of success like that. Um, it's it's up in the air because this is such a different thing. I'm I'm very curious to see how that relaunch is going to go if it is going to be different. I just think the way that they kind of communicated it and just the fact that it's very suddenly happening, I feel like there should have been more care into the communication. Just like, hey, we understand a lot of you guys out there maybe purchased the founders pack for this this beta that we're doing and the fact that we're closing the game it's just like oh well we're i don't even know peter do you know if they even mentioned that like people's progress get reset once the game fully comes out is that has that been communicated oh, at I all have no idea. i have not seen anything of the sort because that's that's a huge matter on here if people just seamlessly transition because like i know right now i would i don't know if you know this uh right now you can't download multiverses anymore it's off of the store but if you already had downloaded it you can still play the game till sometime in june i believe servers are still going to be up interesting so like it's not just they pulled the plug on it right now they just pulled the plug on more people coming in and just the the one percent of people i guess who were there at the beginning who are still playing uh they can still play for a couple of months i guess and then next year i guess we're going to get the relaunch I'm I'm curious to see it. It's a very weird decision. I just wish that they understood that this was going to be a really weird look and just kind of communicating with their audience because, A, this is a bad look to the people who are still playing, and I know they're probably banking on a relaunch, just bringing people back in and everyone forgetting about this. Uh, but it's an awkward transition right now and definitely makes us wonder... Oh, these live service games are not even just that these early access open beta models what can you get away with where do we draw the lines here you can just do anything you want i guess if multiverses can just be like yeah we're just going to stop after so long of just being quiet so i think the what what appears to be a, a very real concern um with gaming in general is that we could hit a dangerous point in the next year or two where a lot of these live service games that have been worked on for a long time 
all around the industry, not just PlayStation, not just whatever company. I I believe that there are a lot of them out there. They're all going to start hitting and they're all going to fail. And that that's like whenever people talk about economic bubbles bursting, that's that's going to be a bursting bubble. And I I don't know what ramifications that will have on the industry. Ultimately, I think the industry will come out stronger after that inevitably happens. But uh, there could maybe be a rough period of gaming for a little bit if my hunch on that is correct. Mm -hmm. And it's all because Call of Duty is not going to be as good on PlayStation. And it's all because of that. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Peter, any more opinions? I just think that we're going to have a rude awakening very soon where we're just drowning in live service, live service, live service. And then we're going to get to a point where it's like, oh, you can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you're either an established game with a fan base or people will see you have announced a new live service game. And it's just like, oh, that's going to be dead on arrival. Like we're getting we're getting to a point already where they you see like a new live service game at like a, a presentation, like a state of play or a direct or like a any sort of games conference, and I'm kind of cynical enough where I see I really feel bad for the developers who are going to be laid off in a year when I see that game because that's that's the reality we're living in now. These comp like these studios. They're wasting their time. And I don't mean to sound condescending. Like, I know what's the best way to... Like, I know the real keys to success to successful game development. But, like, come the fuck on. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And on top of that... Um, oh, my goodness. What was I going to say? I'm sorry. I didn't have to pop in there. <laughs> I had something and it faded as soon as I cut in. I think one closing thing I want to say, not necessarily 100% related here, but like this episode right now, where we're talking we're talking about Down with Jim Ryan and we are talking shit about live service models, very, very much staples for us. And I think if we took the time here to really focus like what – what good things do we have to say about not Jim Ryan? I'm not going to humor that, but like good things we have to say about service games. Like what what in our rotation, if we have that rotation? Like I want to know you've got Rocket League, Peter. I know you've got. I don't have one. Um, think back at the Warzone days, right? Or the, you don't play very, Apex? Very fun. Do you play Apex? No, Joe and James do, but I'm okay. not good at it. I didn't think you were an Apex guy. Good on you. But like I'll hop into Overwatch very often. Like I, with the Overwatch Two launch, I've gotten a lot more into that. And like there's there's something to say about a game you can kind of go back into, whether you take it like super competitively in the, the ranked format or not. But maybe we're due for that, you know? Well, to some degree. In my experience with Rocket League, is I play it because I love the mechanics of the game, mm-hmm. and then every few months. I go to play the game and I can't get into it right away because it's updating with the new season. Ah. And I never pay attention to any of the additions of that new season. I really don't even know if it goes beyond aesthetics. I've, I've never even considered looking into it. Um, and then I just go into my games and I, I play with people and I play against people. That's what I'm in it for. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I feel it's time to talk about what we've been playing. It's been a few weeks. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that much new to go off of. Um, so I'll I'll just get my stuff out of the way quickly. I am making legitimate progress on XCOM 2. Uh, War of the Chosen, that is. All of the Chosen are dead in my save. That's a very new development. So I will hopefully wrap that up pretty soon. I am also the owner of a copy of Resident Evil 4 Remake. I have not played it yet. I want to finish XCOM 2 first. Uh, But I am excited to give that a try and uh, be able to experience what uh, will probably be one of the most talked Mm -hmm. about games of the whole year. Um, I I am... I'm curious, Owen, because I, I'm checking on Switch every now and then, because your most recent played game on Switch is Resident Evil 4 OG, and you've talked about wanting to finish that before you play the remake, and I, I don't know where you're at with that He's right now. Yeah, the the world of me finishing it um, before playing the remake is not reality. So what happened there is that I was originally playing that on PlayStation, and then bought XCOM 2 on Switch and then the Switch version of XCOM 2 was so bad that I I flip-flopped. I had already bought War of the Chosen on my PlayStation on sale years ago um, and I switched to PlayStation over there and then at the same time Resident Evil 4 was on sale for 10 bucks on Switch and I, I got that there and I caught up pretty quickly to where I was at on PlayStation and I still uh, play it now and then when I'm, when I'm in a switch mood, Uh, the reality of me finishing it though is not going to happen, but that's, it's not ruling out that it will never happen because I hear enough about the differences of these that I think it would still be worth having an experience with the older version. I am someone often, who tries to defend the uh, the worthwhile nature of older games. And I, I appreciate the old version of Resident Evil 4, and I'll continue playing it for the time being. That's my stance. Okay. Uh, as far as anything else, I really don't... I haven't been doing much gaming. Uh, I've been dabbling in... Um, you know, uh, I've been doing some Rocket League. I've... I've played some NHL. I, I haven't played NHL in years, but I've been more into hockey this year, so that uh that got my attention. And in general, I've I've been trying to diversify my hobbies a little more. Watch watch a few more movies, uh watch some TV, maybe read a little bit. Like I I've been all across the board. XCOM two will be done soon though. Who wants to go next? XCOM 2, you say, Owen? Yes. Well, uh, you guys have both talked about XCOM 2 on the pod. Of course, we're all playing it. I have not said a word on the pod. I have been waiting for this moment Mm -hmm. since we did our 2022 predictions. Let me hear it. Um, I think it's very interesting that... No, no, no. Hold on. Before I even talk about the game... Okay. Um, when we I started, about, so my thoughts of the game are it's very interesting. I'm like, he's gonna fucking hate it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Owen predicted the order in which we were all going to beat 
topic because it's not just the three of us. Of course, we've got two other friends, James, Joe, friends of the show, friends of the fantasy draft. Um, they're they're playing alongside us. Also, Owen put out a list of who's going to beat it in what order, and it seems like that is going to be accurate. Where Peter is going to finish it first, I finish second, then James, then Owen, and then Joe. And the only thing jeopardizing that is whether or not Joe will finish the game or not, because he's <laughs> he's he's in a bit of a dilemma right now. He's thinking about starting over entirely. Oh my god! Because the switch. Fucking idiot! Why would he? Why? Why he's so far in? You're more than halfway <laughs> done. Just keep going. Maybe him hearing us talk this like side smack right now, because he's actively listening not to the side. show. I, I'm uh, Joe. What are you doing? Don't do this. This is not side. I'm not doing this behind your back. I know you listen to this podcast. Don't you dare start over. Just keep I, going with the life you live right now. You're not going to do a, a third playthrough. Just keep going. I hope by the time this episode is going live, Joe, and you are hearing us, you haven't purchased the PlayStation version, version just because you've gone so far. Because, of course, I don't, I, like, I don't think it's going to happen in the grand scheme of things if you, if you make that jump, if you have made that jump. Enough. But uh, regardless... I, I I was the second one of us to beat the game. I beat it pretty quickly. Peter, of course, beat it first and super quickly because he's played the game before. He knew he knew what he had to do. And this game is all about uh, making decisions. And the game is not afraid to tell you this is a run of the game. Almost almost like in not necessarily like a roguelike, but almost presents itself just like play this game until you get it right. You might not get it on the first time. You could put yourself in a corner and doom humanity to be enslaved by these aliens known as the Advent. Um, but I finished the game. I, the PlayStation 5 locked it in at like 57 hours. Like I, like when you go to the home screen, it tells you oh, like how many hours. It is so wrong, bullshit. it's unbelievable. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I don't know if I did 57 hours, but I definitely had a lot of times where I stepped away after just like, oh, God, I, I got four guys out in the field. One of them just got mind controlled. Uh, I don't know if I'm just going to ditch that person and just rescue them later. Or not, but because uh, we don't want, we don't like. Hold on, we don't we, we don't want to be talking too much about it. Where are we drawing the lines here, Peter? I want you to leave, uh, set the set the. I'll let Owen draw the line actually, because he's the one who kept me in check when we talked about it. Okay. Yeah, I I want to keep some of your like very specific stories that you have from your playthrough. I want those to be uh, kept closer to the chest. When me and Peter talked about it, a lot of it was from the perspective of like. He's already experienced. He was kind of giving me some tips on some stuff I was uh, I was coming up against. But mm-hmm. just kind of keep it more general. If you want okay. to get specific at certain points, uh, use your discretion. I think, considering I've been done with the game, because I've also not been on the pod for a couple of weeks, I finished this game uh, weeks ago. I feel like it was three, two or three weeks ago. Almost a month at this point. I've beat XCOM 2. Flew right through it, and I had a lot of fun. But like the whole time I'm playing the game, I was really comparing it to other strategy games I've played and where it sits in my heart alongside those. And I'm, the two I'm constantly comparing it to are the most recent tactic games i played, Fire Emblem Engage and uh, Triangle Strategy. All three of them, very different tactics games. Very, very different tactics games. And uh, while there's a lot I like about XCOM 2, like some of like the grave sins of tactics games I hate the most, XCOM 2 is just full of them. The biggest Don't one being... fucking dare 
Tell me Fo- you're about to say what I think you're about to say. It's Fog of War. I hate Fog of War maps. And XCOM 2 is like, what if like 90% of the maps were Fog of War? Because like we're, we're talking about how suspenseful the game is. You never know what's going to happen. But I feel cheated when 80% of the map is Shadows and just unreactable shit happens and I lose a guy. Like we talked about before, like how we didn't want to like, like scum save. If that ever happened, I'm just like, no, that's not fair. I didn't know what was going to happen. Fuck this. I'm reloading my save. And I reloaded a lot of saves. Do you think Fire Emblem Engage is a better game than XCOM 2 or The Chosen? No, I don't want to say better, but I know I liked it more. And I can, I'm not going to go into why, but like, if I am going to rank those three tactics game, XCOM 2, I think, is my least favorite of those three. But I, I did have a lot of Mark, fun Mark, I like there. XCOM 2 more than any Fire Emblem game. Like, that's how much any. I love XCOM and 2. I, I understand. And I understand yes. that, Peter. Yes, respect, oh, and this is true. That. I like XCOM 2 more than any Fire Emblem game. I can't engage with Ike of the Grail Mercenaries in this game, Peter. I can't no, go can emblem engage. You, no, but you can deal with much better, more satisfying gameplay and customization in this game than I you guess. can in Fire Emblem the Radiance. Some of the customization is pretty cool, but then like there comes a, like I know we've talked about this in some of our chats on the side, but like XCOM 2 at first. It really gives you this feeling of just like, oh, you are picking up the pieces in this war. The aliens are winning and it is it is uh, an uphill battle. And then eventually there just comes a point where it's just not an uphill battle. And I know you said you didn't really like think that was a bad thing. And I definitely noticed a point where I was falling off. I was just like, all right, let's let's get to the finish line here. I am unstoppable. And I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Whereas when I'm playing, granted, I played on harder difficulties and triangle strategy and engaged. Two, I'm comparing it to, where I'm just like, there wasn't a moment in either of these games where I felt like I wasn't uphill. And sometimes it seemed like there was just a wall on this hill. That's just like, where did this wall come from? I didn't think a wall could show up here, but it wasn't cheap to me. Everything was revealed before me, and I was like, how do I get around this? And the, the biggest thing I'd say is just like, I had a lot, I've had a lot of fun with the customizi- customizing and kind of choosing my strategy, like on the global map of choosing my battles and the paths, the objectives I wanted to control. Also, huge thing that I think is really disappointing about my playthrough, just in our XCOM chat where we're all talking about this in our playthroughs and comparing and contrasting stuff, not to be any specific stories, but when we arranged this and we said it is XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen, I assumed all we were going to need is those two DLCs. Owen, I don't know what DLCs you do and don't have, but those are the only two I have, and everyone else is talking about other stuff in their campaigns. Those are also the only two that I have. Okay, so we're going to be on the same level. They're talking about these rulers and these kings of these other classes, and I'm like, hey, I don't have that DLC. Maybe... Maybe that would have been cool because, like, the biggest, the coolest thing I can say is, like, oh, when the chosen get into like in, involved, and it's like this whole other objective you are juggling and thing to be concerned about. I imagine with the other DLCs, you have to juggle even more things actively. And I may have liked this game even more uh, if I was juggling those things, but alas, I wasn't. Uh, and I think when it comes to our big verdict uh, on, on how I feel about this, it's going to be the biggest game changer. There is just that. A. I'm playing a lesser version than half of the group here, and B, Fog of War sucks. I hate Fog of War. Um, but I love X-Cop- Fog of War. Love I it. love I love Fog of War. It makes it, for me, it adds so much 
more stress-tuous. It, I don't know. If just, I mean, I like the Fire Emblem approach. Obviously, I really like Fire Emblem. But there's just something about the Fog of War approach that it just it makes it adds more tension. It adds more danger to it. I can't just move my units willy-nilly. I have to be careful. I have to plan it out. I have to mm-hmm. care, I just it, it adds more to the game yeah. for me. It I it's definitely not like an objectively bad mechanic, but it's like. Oh, a unit I've never seen before just walked out of the fog and wiped out my like like third best guy because I a I didn't know what it could possibly do. I didn't know it was gonna come out of this way. And sure that like builds on the story there, but it's also just like 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 we said, this is a kind of game where like things can go so south in your playthrough. They expect that some people are gonna have to start over. I'm not looking to start over this game. Like there was just never like I like maybe early on like. There are some situations where I thought maybe I'll have to do that, and it's totally fine. But there just comes a point where I'm just like, I'm 30 hours in. This isn't happening. They just introduced a new villa- a new enemy, which I think is cool that they have a lot to introduce to keep things fresh. But at the same time, introduce this new guy not on a fog of war map, please. Um, but I've I've gone on enough about XCOM. We're going to hear a lot about more about XCOM in the coming month, probably. But once I finished XCOM, I had no game on my agenda, guys. Granted, I, I'm still I still have Octopath Two sitting there. I have not touched that game in like the Ooh. past month, ever since I played XCOM Two. Instead, I thought I left Yakuza Three sitting uh, for my annual tradition, and I wanted to go back and be like, "All right, let's let's knock this out." But unfortunately, Yakuza Three is certainly my least favorite Yakuza game right now. I got one more chapter in, and I said, "You know what? What if I just..." Started Hollow Knight. And you know what? I, I caught you. I caught you playing Hollow Knight on mm-hmm. Switch one day, and I completely forgot about it until now. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a bet going on with a friend of mine who who believes, firmly believes, especially with some stuff I've said in the pod, that I'm actually a 2D games hater. I hate 2D games, actually. I only play games in 3D. And if I cite Celeste or Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze as reasons i like 2d games a game that you beat uh, of course a, a game that i beat of course um it's just like okay those two don't count you have to talk about more and i said you know what i i i told them i really want you to play celeste you also like 2d games i love this game i talk about it to them a lot and he says okay play hollow knight and i'll play celeste and this is something i signed off on and shook shook with them last year said sometime probably in april I'm going to get to it. And I've got like 30 hours in Hollow Knight right now. I'm sitting at the final boss. I've got 90% total map completion. And this is a really good game. I'm glad. Uh, I I was a big fan of it. Because I started playing it at some point like over the summer last year. And I was really struggling. This is one of the games at first. um, I felt like I was getting so lost in this game. Because maps... You don't get a map, and it's a big Metroidvania kind of game. You're running around discovering what's going on. Uh, Dark Souls, in a sense, where like you've got checkpoints where if you die, this game is hard. You're going to go back to this checkpoint, and maybe you don't even remember a word you were before. Everything kind of looks the same at first. Everything is kind of dark, and I was really like, oh no, maybe I'm not going to like this game. But once you kind of, I learned the flow of it. I was getting maps, meeting the map maker because you, you just got to find this guy in every area. You hear him humming. You see trails of paper. He's like, oh, if I follow the paper trail, I'm gonna go find the map for this area. It's gonna make my life so much easier. And you hear him. He go. He's humming around. Oh, and 
theater. Peter, you're never going to play this game. So never. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's your loss. Even though you like Ori, you know, maybe think about that. You like Ori, Peter, you know, granted, like I think Metroid the aesthetic, Dread. Yeah, you do like Metroid Dread. That's a game. You do, Peter doesn't like Metroid Dread enough to move out of uh, his home and take his copy of Metroid Dread with him, though. He left it here. So <laughs> it's on the record. It's just sitting. like I was walking out and be like, fuck Metroid Dread. I just didn't remember to get it. I, there were times where you came home and I showed it to you. I'm just like, you left this here and it's Mark, still here. I have been home two times since I moved out. I have and been one, home really? twice. And half yeah. of those times, That's half absurd. of those times, it like, is a little absurd. That is a little absurd. We're not talking about this in the podcast. <laughs> but I'm just saying half of the times he has come home, I have showed him. A whole half of times I've showed him his copy of Metroid Dread. And he just didn't take it. A game he likes. But regardless, maybe there's something here. I'm sure the aesthetic alone is enough for you to hate this game more than anything else. Am I correct in saying that, Peter? Yes. I was going to say, it's it's as it's so long as it has the slightest aesthetic... People could compare this to like Nightmare Before Christmas slightly. And, and I Peter's out. Hiss. Mm-hmm. Rejects. See, that's me hissing. Mm-hmm. Peter is allergic to this aesthetic, and there is no cure, unfortunately. Um, but the the biggest disappointment I've I've had with my Hollow Knight playthrough is I thought it was gonna be a little bit harder. People set the bar up like this is gonna be like an excruciating game, and I've been holding up pretty well. Let's, you know, let me pat myself on the back there. No, yeah, well, uh, let's get you past that final boss. Right. I've heard this final boss is pretty tough, though. There's a couple bosses. I I know that there was one optional boss I was pretty stuck at for a second. Uh, but I, I got through it. There's also, like, some optional, like, Coliseum stuff I found. The the final fight in the Coliseum they had was pretty tough. But, like, uh, it's it's living up to the hype. Another thing that was disappointing, I didn't realize there's like a, there's three DLC packs that are free that came with the game. For whatever reason, like when I installed the game on my Switch, it didn't install the DLC. So like when I was at 85% completion, I realized, oh, I've just been playing this without those three DLCs. And those just spawned in. I know uh, I, I haven't beaten it yet because I know there's different endings to the game and it all depends on your total completion of the game. So I've been hesitant of, do I want to 100% this game? I'm sitting at like 92%. I know you can, there's 112% completion for everything. I think that includes the DLCs where that extra 12% comes in. I can cheese it and just do DLC stuff till I get to 100, not really do everything. But I think I'm ready to finish it, move on, and maybe jump back into to Yakuza. But I'm glad to knock this off the list of games I've played, big name games I've played. So... You haven't been impressed by the difficulty. Have you just have you just found it enjoyable, or do, or do you see what is so exceptional about it? Oh, the combat feels really good. I I like the boss fights. There, there's a, been a handful of bosses I have been stuck at exploring the world and just kind of finding cool things everywhere. And there's definitely a Souls like story to this, where like in the Souls games, any from software game like. A, a whole story's worth of shit has happened and you are in a world where like you're figuring out what happened and figuring out where in the story like you're participating in and all of that isn't going to be clear until you've rolled credits on it maybe and like i've like for the first like half of the game i just had like puzzle pieces just like of, of what this narrative is like i don't know what this means yet but i'm at a point right now where everything's kind of coming together 
I'm going to finish the game and probably dive into more of the story. But like the game feels really good to play as it's I say it's not like as challenging as I want it to be. But a lot of the fights keep me on my toes enough where I'm thinking like it's a pushover kind of game. Like I I am doing well, but I'm not doing so well where everything is just a cakewalk. I just thought there's going to be times I'm just going to be like, I, I'm going to walk away from this game. It's going to be hard. But no, doing pretty well there. But okay. I'll, I'll talk about more. I, I was hoping to maybe just try the final boss before we started recording, but I, I had stuff to do, unfortunately. So next time you'll hear me uh, with the finished Hollow Knight take. And then after that, part of me is thinking... A, I finished go Yakuza 3 take as well. Maybe, well, we'll see about that. I... I it, because it's been so long since I've been on the pod. I was hoping I'm gonna have finished Yakuza three. I'm gonna go finish Sonic Frontiers. I'm gonna go finish We Are OFK. All the things I've left on the table. I'm gonna finish all of them. But then I just sat there and was like, oh, this this Yakuza game really is. They were they were just trying to put out more stuff and not do things different. This also doesn't have like the Kawami treatment where they remade remade it in the Vision of Zero. This is just in upresed maybe some quality of life changes to a ps2 game and it certainly feels that way i really i'll be happy when you realize that it's okay to let we are ofk go it's not though i i really i i can't confidently say i really like that game but i really liked the characters the overall story i was I wasn't like super invested in the the biggest bummer about it is just like it's a game about a band and every episode ends with like a song from their band. And I just don't like the songs and I don't like the music video sequences you play through. But I like the characters, the soundtrack for the game itself. I like a lot. I even like my game playlist. I have some We Are OFK songs on there, but they're just not from the band. I don't like the band that the game's revolving around. So it's like a huge disconnect. And I, I got to the final episode. Like, we're getting to the climax here. And something, a lot of people probably wouldn't like this, a lot of the story is about uh, game developers who maybe don't like their game development job want to do something else. And it's like, oh, they're talking about the industry. And I part of me, like, gets that. It's, it's scratching and it's just like, I like that they're talking about this because this is something I can relate to because I've done industry stuff. I still talk and listen to so much industry stuff. But I don't know. It's literally just two and a half hours just sitting there. And I'm going to do it, Owen. I, You know what, Owen? How confident are you you think I'm not going to do it? Uh, I can't put anything on that because okay. that would just fuel you to finish it. Okay. What if I put something on the line, but you didn't have to put something on the line? Maybe that's still enough. Uh, de- Depends on what you're putting on the line. I don't know. Hmm... I don't. I don't want to put a full game. Yeah, I got. Uh, well, well, you game. know what? You you can you can think about this for a long time. We'll we'll get back to a it. But long, I, long time. The only other thing for my long lengthy what I've been playing is my annual pilgrimage to Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. I have downloaded it again for the year, <laughs> uh, and I'm better at it than ever. I'm playing with the elemental heroes. If you know, you know. Me and my boy elemental hero neos we're taking names uh, i used to, when i was playing this game before I'd, I'd usually get mad to a point where just like fuck this Yu-Gi-Oh is a game for cheaters because the game is really 
if like you have an understanding the most basic understanding about how a deck works in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like okay if you didn't win by like turn three you or even turn two you did something wrong you should be like this game is built it's like okay cheese and cheat everything out your big stuff out on the first turn and pray it doesn't get countered by your opponent and hit someone and kill them in one hit it feels it feels wrong but i've subscribed to it i'm leaning into it i'm finding ways to play cards that i like because i'm only playing cards that are just like oh i remember this from the anime when i was younger the, a big nostalgia drive brings me back to this and i'm playing with decks from characters i liked in the anime not like strictly their stuff because the shit they're doing on the anime either sometimes doesn't actually follow the rules or just doesn't work but i'm making it work and i'm climbing the ranks before i when i would go on my annual pilgrimage and ranked i'm sitting at the bottom of bronze i'm not doing great i'm just having fun but right now i'm getting close to gold i'm climbing out of silver in yukio duel links so i'm also proud of myself there and on top of that of course it wouldn't be what i've been playing if i didn't mention that in the pokey elite chat that i'm in we have a new pokemon rom hack we're playing right now there's a super hard version of Pokemon Emerald. It's got eight generations of Pokemon crammed in. All the fights uh, tweaked, of course. Extra content in there. And on top of that, every Pokemon now has four abilities instead of one, which changes the game entirely. And it's it's a ride. We're having fun over there, except I think, I think I'm soft-locked and I can't progress through the game because it's broken and I'm like seven badges into it. So it's like, damn. Yikes. Sucks that th- sucks that this has happened. Maybe the other pokey elites will find a way around it. Maybe I can cheat around it, but that's fun there. Peter, what have you been playing? I also beat XCOM. I don't know if I know I had already shut that out of the podcast. My bad. So the game that I'm playing now, speaking, you know, talking about how much we love PlayStation earlier, is a little nifty game called Sackboy A Big Adventure. Oh, that's right. Free to play on PS Plus. Uh, there are five worlds. I started the game a few days ago. I'm already at the fourth world. And it's a pretty simple platformer. Nothing I'm not nothing groundbreaking, nothing earth shattering, nothing that's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. This game's doing this. I've never seen this before. But it's it's a joy to play. I really love the aesthetic of the game, like the hand like I enjoy this vision of handcrafted worlds more than what I've seen from, like, Yoshi's Crafted World and Yoshi's Woolly World. Not to, like, take away from those, but whenever I look at those, like, oh, those look a bit too... I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't want to say realistic, but just something about them, like, oh, that's a bit much. But the the look, the look, the art style of Little Big Planet is, is more appealing to me. Uh, music, nothing to write home about. But it does, you know, it adds, it adds to the it adds to the vibe and the atmosphere that the game's going for. Really, I mean, there's not that much to say about this game. It's just, it's a fun 3D platformer. I'm happy I'm playing it. There's attempts at story, but you know, it's it's a, it's a little bit planned. Richard E. Grant is in this game, which surprised me. I'm not sure why they got such a big actor for a game like this, but they did. But who does, he, who does he play? Wait, he who? plays the villain. He plays the villain named Vex. Okay, if you're, if you're gonna say he's Sackboy, I'd be like, no, what? Sackboy. Sackboy has like the voice. I mean, he doesn't. Sackboy doesn't talk, but he has the voice act of like a, his sound because you know he grunts and yells and shit. It's like a little kid. And it's like I don't like that. Uh, I don't need him to. I don't need him to be like a sixty-year-old adult, but he sounds way too young, and it, I don't know. He annoys me whenever he makes sounds. Like, stop. 
Stop. He but, didn't make noises in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. I know that much. Yeah, he didn't. Hey, did he or did he not? I'm Sorry, not. I mean, he yeah, made he like and blinks and bloops that. when he would open menus and stuff. He doing his little big planet thing, but that's like that's it. In terms of in terms of PlayStation platformers, this game doesn't hold a candle to Astro. It it just doesn't. Astro is much better, much much better. But I still like this game. I'm gonna beat it. Uh, it's another PlayStation first party game. Another PS5 game I'll have under my belt. So. There's just really not that I, I there's co-op. Obviously, I haven't tried it. I don't know what it's like. But unless you have questions, that's really all I have to say about this game. This just isn't a game that mm-hmm. like there's not that much to say about it, which probably goes to show why I didn't really get talked about that much when it came out at the launch of PlayStation Five. And there's there's not really that many questions to ask about it. I don't think. Yeah, it's just I... it's a. It's a little big planet 3D platformer. It plays well. It runs well. Nice work. Like, the maps are what you would expect. There, okay, there is one critique I have for the game is that they do have some missions that, like, the platforming is in sync with music. But, unfortunately for the game, I just played Rayman Legends a few Mm -hmm. months ago that had some incredible levels like that. Mm -hmm. Where the first one in this game is Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And it's like, what the fuck Ugh. are we doing here? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, exactly. on top of that, it's like, yeah, you, you it's just played like, Hi-Fi oh, Rush. This... Also, like, you're sitting on two games that are pretty good at incorporating you music. Fucking take Hi-Fi Rush out of your mouth, okay? Hi-Fi Rush is a fantastic, beautiful. No, game. no, he just yeah, said said, it in a good way. He just, said, I did. oh, I, said, I thought like, he was, I, I thought he was assaulting it. I thought like, yeah, uh, you <laughs> have that too, and Hi-Fi Rush, like you. No, no, he was saying it in eyes. terms of you've played two games that are good at implementing music. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, Jeez, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Rayman and a little big planet, they have individual levels whereas Hi-Fi Rush from the moment you start the game to the moment you end, it's never not in sync at any moment and mm-hmm. it's all the better for it. But Mark, I apologize for coming at you there. I thought That's you were insulting right. Hi-Fi Rush. It tells you how much I liked Hi-Fi Rush. Don't I mean, I I could Rush. I could insult Hi-Fi Rush. <sighs> yeah, but You'd have no reason to, because it's better than anything you've. It's a, it's better than any game you're gonna play this year. I don't know, Peter. Old Tears Zelda, of the Kingdom you could go has through the floor. So, oh my God, greatest as, game ever. As of recording this, there's going to be the sequel to one of the greatest video game trailers. Oh, of all time. don't hype it up like this to yourself, Mark. This uh, is the problem. If you are listening to this you will know if you are on cloud nine or not after watching this trailer you guys know something i don't i'm very jealous of that um but this this trailer's i'm sorry Owen, it's going to be phenomenal it just has to be a story trailer that's all i really want from it but i understand it has the potential to be an s tier trailer tomorrow not like the true successor to that trailer not that there's really any sort of direct connection but they could deliver something very special and i'm I'm ready to not just like realize like oh shit we are less than a month away from Tears of the Kingdom but like somewhat person like Anuma's personally opening the door to the Tears of the Kingdom trailer being like we have a seat just for you right now that's the potential for this trailer it's like it's we know you've been waiting get cozy we got the seat right here for you it's full speed ahead Tears of the Kingdom is coming. I uh, and we're ready to deliver. I keep almost forgetting for for my birthday. I I got Resident Evil Four, but I also got a a fully paid off pre order of Tears mm-hmm. of the Kingdom. So I'm I'm all set. I'm very excited. All right. 
are either of you guys, it comes out a week before, because it's on Game Pass, I'm definitely going to dip my toes in the water. Redfall. Either of you guys going to try that? In 30 FPS. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that part. Peter, I'm Um, sorry we talked about a 30 FPS game in front of you. uh, Don't ever do it again. I'm sorry. Hi-Fi Rush, how many FPS? How many FPS in Hi-Fi Rush? Ah. Um, I I believe I believe the cutscenes might go down lower, but I think that's more of a stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, past me would have made time to try Redfall. I highly doubt it's in the cards before Tears of the Kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. Owen, yeah. Question: You're a Bethesda guy. If Starfield launches at only thirty frames per second, is that a problem? I think it's a problem for the greater public, but it won't deter me at all. Okay. I'll be disappointed. Oh, but go ahead, Mark. I, I was just gonna say I would be disappointed, but like not up in arms about it. That's that's where I would be. Because I think I think that's gonna end up being what's happening. So get ready for that, everyone. It's I, gonna be a shitstorm on Twitter. It'll be fun. I think it's but, very uh, possible. Mark and I are starting something, a new project oh, on Sunday with some right. friends. We we did allude to this myself, to you right before we recorded, yes. Yeah, myself, Mark, James, and our friend Aaron are starting a Halo 3 Lasso playthrough. So, remind me what Lasso stands for. Legendary All Skulls On. Which Very implies if we, if we die, we start the whole mission over. Well, no, 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 no! Not the whole mission. You have to go back. You go back to the the previous checkpoint. One of the skulls is when you die, you start the mission over. You don't include that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's not all skulls. Then. It's the it, that's okay. that's you I, get it. You you get it. That's look. Don't look at me. That's fine. That's what I, the rule it's, is. It's more of a relief to me. I'm yes. all for doing a difficult Halo Three run alongside three other people, but. I was very worried about that one. I was like, no, man, that we're one, about to get so the hard. The community has all agreed, but you don't include that one because then it's just like, well, then this is just impossible. Thank God. And La- Lasso is already incredibly fucking difficult. But mm-hmm. it's something that James and I started voicing interest in. And we're like, who do we want to get? And I was like, well, I want to get people who are who have a history of being very good at Halo. Well, <laughs> I don't know if like that's... But I'd say I am. I Mark, you used to be very good. Mark, I'd rather you than any other app, like any other people. I, uh, you, me, James, and Aaron, I think is a solid group for this. I'm sure it'll be so fine. So on Sunday morning, we're going to be starting our Halo Three Lasso campaign. If I if I could put us into a tier list of the four, not not you, Owen, the four of us who are playing Lasso, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put James in S tier. Maybe maybe it would be like A tier. I don't know. Where, where James is at in Halo Modern and these days. I know those old school Halo games, James is top of the line. Aaron, I'm going to guess they played a lot together. He's right there with them. Maybe S, maybe A tier. And then there's me. I'm going to put me at B tier. Get the fuck out. I didn't put you anywhere yet, Peter. Get where the did... fuck out. You think you're better than me? I don't know. I was maybe going to put you in B tier also. Maybe. What are you doing after this? Uh, season four of Overwatch just dropped. You seen this new character, Peter? Yeah, he seems good. All right, I was gonna say we could play a match of Halo Three and see how it's going, but we can do that. We can do that. Uh, time. I, well, I, I, I don't... think <laughs> so. So my assessment of 
of Peters that for the longest time he he was an A tier, but some of the more recent times we've gone back to Halo, and- we played Halo Infinite maybe three times, like two years, like almost two years ago. That's it. Let's no, let's no, knock and this we, off. And we, All right, we were let's, playing a lot let's of Halo. Let's not say things we're going to regret and, and a little bit. And also, you guys, you guys used to one v one and keep score of like who won these one v one Halo sets, right? And, and Peter it used was a, to yes. destroy me. It was um, a bloodbath. Okay. Nowadays, though, I I seem to recall it not being a bloodbath. Is that so? I mean, you want to get on right after this, Owen. We can do it. I don't, we go because, to Guardian. I, because I have work tomorrow. But what I was going to say is, uh, you know, breaks in that campaign, like, might be able to find some time to, to hop on and mm-hmm. uh, and play some football. Oh, I, if we can get back into a Halo phase, nothing would make me happier. Multi, like, I- the old school multiplayer games. I... I have been hankering for a Halo face. Remember I'm... when we just used to do the two v twos as well? We'd go into our separate group chats. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I love Halo. I love old Halo, especially. And I've I've even I've been in such a Halo mood that I've taken a look at the thumbnail of Halo Infinite. It's like you know, it was a fun game. It was fun. Maybe things are different a little bit. Um, and I'm not 100% against if in the future we do, we do our multiplayer matches against each other. If we decide like, want to go over to infinite for a little bit, I'm not against it. I I would, I I would love to do a time for like, if, if we got the three of us, maybe a couple others sat down like, Hey, what if we just kind of like explored some cool infinite forge maps? I'm sure there's some really cool game modes and stuff people have put together over there. Just not getting the buzz. That could be fun. Uh, How would you guys feel about that? I'm, I'm down. I'm a supporter of halo. Okay. Um, I just uninstalled halo infinite before this podcast to try and make room for master chief collection. But we can make something work. Uh, and uh, let's be clear here. Infinite is a low priority. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm just putting it out there that like I'm not I'm not disavowing that game. It's had its issues. Still a very fun core gameplay experience. I'm just I'm I think now is the next month is the best time because once Jedi Survivor and Tears of the Kingdom come out, I know our group, people are going to be going their ways. I'm going to be living in Hyrule for arguably a couple of weeks. I know James, he's going to be real neck deep in Jedi Survivor. Peter, you going to be hopping on Jedi Survivor? No, I couldn't get into Fallen Order. Owen? My next 2023 game is Advanced Force. Oh, damn. Okay. That's soon, isn't it? Yes, it is. April 20th. Dang. 420. Okay. I'll be in Hyrule. Okay. Good taste, good taste, everybody. Except and Redfall, of course. And Redfall. I mean, I'll be there for a couple of days. I have a friend of mine who I know she was really interested, so I'd be like, hey, I can play this with you for a week. I'd be interested. But after this week, you will never see me again. Um, We should we should get into the final topic here, which, which will prompt some people to turn off the show. Uh, thank you for joining us to this point. But we are revisiting... The ongoing storyline of Nier Automata. 
Uh, Arguably the final the chapter. Of our Nier Automata story. Yeah. This is yeah. the end. Yeah. This Fi- is... Final chapter of the BNY gaming Nier Automata story. This, this is, is Route E. BNY. This is a... Oh my god, I like that. That's good. Ending BNY. Damn, um, I wish I came up with that. But, so guys, I, I've been building up to this. We are a podcast certified... Or a near automata certified gaming podcast. Now. All I wanted when we first started. All mm-hmm. I wanted. Huge. We've accomplished everything we needed to when we set out to do this podcast. And now we had a light spoiler talk before, where I didn't want to get too into it. And even right now, this isn't just going to be full spoiler talk. I want to frame this yes, conversation. It is. It, it is like everything's on the table. Like but that's not what I'm trying to say. We're not framing this as a. This is the spoiler cast. Now. Yeah. This is this time is time for yeah, Mark this, to frame it. This, this is, is the, uh, there will be no more near spoiler discussions mm-hmm. in the future post this end of B and Yorha here. Um, and mine right now, it, yours was pretty good for mine's good too because there's end of Yorha edition. Mark couldn't, couldn't have existed without Peters. Yeah, Let's you did team me up. It's true, he teed me up. But I, I want to clarify because I know near Tomata, everyone knows if you've played if they've played this game, this is not a game that's super direct. This is a game. A lot of it can go over people's head. There's a lot of it stuff they can miss. And I want to frame this talk about it. We have not the near automata spoiler talk, but what is there to get about near automata? Because I think I know Peter, of course, going through this game as quickly as he possibly could, despite Owen just <laughs> defeating him, demolishing him, and making his way through this game. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I I promise you that had little to no effect on my progression of the game. I respect him for doing it. It was a power move. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like, oh, darn, I have to go faster. Because then I would turn the game on and be like, I still fucking hate Ines. I still hate this little shit. I hate him mm-hmm. so much. I mean, like, not liking certain characters, I think, is part of the ride. I didn't like A2. I didn't like Ines a little bit. But once I finished it and reflected on the story from beginning, middle to end, what it all meant, what all these character stories were, the roles they all played in the grand scheme of this world, which is like one of my favorite things about it. Like, it was more, there was a lot more to chew on. I, I realized that a lot of this game, when I thought there was like little to nothing happening, that this was a very chewy game. There was a lot to kind of sit with on it. And I think that's one of the big takeaways here. I, before I go any further, for the record, I just want to ask you guys, like, what's where where you're sitting at with it now we've we've been done with it for a little while peter r- remind everyone where you're at with near since TLDR. our last conversation i have not thought one iota about this game okay i i think about it quite a bit um but i don't think i'm thinking about a lot of the things that other people are um I flirted with the idea of making a video about it. I did scrap that video. I didn't I didn't think I had enough meat on the bone for it. Mm-hmm. Um My thing I fall back on is that I like that it is a pretty dark and bleak world that also has a bit of a sense of humor to it specifically in the side quests and Mm -hmm. i i like that contrast of tone i I guess that's my number one takeaway because it's what i keep thinking about with it and um it also falls in line with i have more recently found myself like playing games 
kind of like that. I play Nier Automata or, uh, or Pentiment is a little more serious, a little more stuff to chew on. I stare frequently at the box of Disco Elysium and think like I need to get around to it. It's just like kind of the mood I'm in. And mm-hmm. Nier Automata was successful at scratching that itch that I've been going mm-hmm. after lately. Oh, and do you agree with me that the ending is incredibly pretentious? Um Yes, yes I do. I I called out before in our initial talk of it of you know, people people so emotionally moved by the end like when I got the question of do you think games are just silly little things and you I have laugh. to say mm-hmm. no? I I was no, they're so serious. There's so much more than that. Like, is that what I was supposed to react like? Like, what was I supposed mm-hmm. to do with that? I, I I was embarrassed in that moment. Um, and I'm <laughs> I'm probably restating a lot of what I said initially, but um, I liked the idea of you you kind of fought through the end there to be able to find some hope on the other side, and mm-hmm. I was cool with that. That worked for me, but um some of the some of the different things that made it a little more dramatic i didn't exactly work on me mhm like i i could be with you like there's definitely some moments i don't think really uh stick the landing the credits i do like in the grand scheme of things uh but like that one question prompted do you think games are still little things not my favorite part there and definitely <laughs> a bit silly arguably and i mean it's enough for you guys enough to kill the tone if not for just a brief moment, but if not the whole sequence, because it's almost like a needle in a haystack. It doesn't. It's not the same kind of question for what I feel like the grand scheme of things. Like the, yeah, the, the, big the rest of it was there. about like not quitting in the face of adversity, which you know, like a little cheesy, but like okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, do you think games are art? <laughs> <laughs> weight of the world. I think I would have liked weight of the world more if it was if I wasn't listening to it during that sequence because it's like what you're doing is the, like the weight of the world mm-hmm. is on your shoulders. Like no, it's it's really not. I'm like, I'm fine. I think it's really cool that sequence of the moving parts of it is just like other people who of course have sacrificed everything. Like like oh. in in it like okay that's, like, that's, that's another thing. No. Like, I, I think that's cool. putting my. I think that, that's a little cool. I think it's cool. Of course, it's like you're. I think I missed this before. Like you're. Of course, you're not really sacrificing everything. Everything, but like in canon, in lore, it is like you are. You are shutting off everything, just at the glimmer of hope that the only way things get better in this situation is you like. You have to like make this big sacrifice. Just at the glimmer of the possibility. Otherwise, things stay as bad as they are, and just seeing everyone else's message that like. Uh. It's not just asking you this for this like one slightly impossible thing. It's just like, like the the pods even say like this is so insignificant a chance of this like coming together that like it may not really get there, but you still say yes, and then in like a sense like a blanket like the everything catching you is everyone else who all of a sudden in this one moment uh, enough significantly enough other people are also there in this moment to to make it work all to the song which way to the world top three near tom of the song and that's saying something no no argument there right i like way to the world quite a bit quite a bit it's fine 
It's mm-hmm. a good song, probably. It's a. I think it's a great song for what is supposed to be like this big cap off monumental moment. Um, that really, really kind of seals the deal of a game that is really about in what I think it is uh, purpose and just saying what's the point at the end of all this because it is a game that's full of so much despair. There's a lot of bleakness in the game, and none of it is like overly edgy, overly dark. It's just. Uh, I would counter uh, Adam and Eve. Okay, Adam and they're... Eve are the exception. Though. Yes, I, I would say I don't really like Adam and Eve. And actually, uh, I think 9S is a little guilty of being edgy, too. I would also okay, throw in okay. at the end of the game 9S in there. Every okay. every conversation he has with A2, it's like, well, someone, like, shut him up. 9S. That's why, again, was between 9S and A2, it was like I was mashing it. I was mashing A2 like with all mm-hmm. of the might in my thumb i'm not gonna lie I, I i also i feel like most people reasonably are gonna be like yeah i if i have to pick a side in this fight like a2 is at least like stable right 9s I was is not, hardly i was not control. talking about it of like from philosophical i was like i want to kill 9s ah. I, I didn't want to kill him but i, I did know. okay i very much did again 9s one of my least favorite characters in games mm-hmm. that i've played I hate him. I find no redeeming qualities about him. I'm, I hate playing as him. I do not like the way his voice actor is directed in portraying the character. I hate his dialogue. I hate all the decisions he makes. I don't find his backstory interesting. I hate his design. There is nothing redeemable about this character. And you're forced to play as him so much. I hate Ninus. But Sly Cooper too, Peter. Bentley. Yeah, Hacking. I, I don't care. I don't care. Like that's... Okay. I don't care. It's like those are technically fine, but that does not add up for everything else. Mm-hmm. It's just like to compare and contrast the androids and the machines, all these kind of characters who created by whether androids are created by humans to fight their war, the aliens created the machines to fight their war. And now there is no war. The, a big reveal later in the game. It's just like, okay, both sides are fighting a pointless war. And, like, just staying on the main path of the game is, like, to strictly just be kind of, like, listening to Yorha's instructions. But when you do more of the side stuff and seeing what the world is, because, like, I I felt like it's a big moment. Like, you've done the opening sequence. You're in this whole operation from Yorha with 9S2B doing their thing. And then you have to go to the first camp, uh, the the only camp that the androids have, I guess, that you get to visit. Uh, then maybe you're expecting the same tone as you have on the moon base, but it's very much not that. And when you do a lot more side quests, you kind of understand that not everyone here also is fully devoted to this war either. Not that everyone has kind of like figured it out, but it's just like, it's not uh, as all consuming and as important to these people as, as it really is, as Ninus and Tubi might kind of give it out to be. And like, I've I've talked a bit before where I think the side quests are really important and because they really kind of add more uh, context to the world and just the the, the androids trying to live their lives uh, that there there is more to kind of like their their persons their identities that they're trying to figure out there like it's not glory to mankind all the time it is them trying to figure themselves out some people way messier than others the machines not created in people's image like i feel like whenever you talk with the machines they're way more extreme way more dramatic than the androids are when it comes to like people who just aren't emotionally put together in some ways in the 9s sense uh very much not rational but there's a lot of really cool stories that really paint the picture of just like 
who the androids are and just the their own little small stories in the grand scheme of the world of near automata and like that's that's a big thing i wanted to definitely talk about here is just the world here like that is that is a big character in the grand scheme of here that i think a lot of people really appreciate and even the first near very comparable or just like the tone set here is super crucial to the experience and uh, what do you guys think of the world peter i want to start with you if if the world struck you in any way anything memorable about it or if you just say like none of this came together at all for you again when we were first playing this game and throughout my year of playing this game i always made a point to say that I wanted to be considerate to this game because I know how much it means to you and how much you love this game. And I do not just want to like shit on it. And I because I feel like that would just be me being needlessly mean and overly critical of a game. I know that matters a lot to you, and I don't want to be that Debbie Downer. But this world meant nothing to me. I felt <laughs> nothing. Like I just there to me there was no there was a lack of personality and character in this world. It was just a bunch of, I mean, the machines are just a bunch of generic-looking, uninteresting characters. The world is completely devoid of color, color and life, and I know that's technically the point, but I've seen a lot more post-apocalyptic worlds that are much more interesting to me, visually and narratively. I do not like the designs of the Yorha at all. The blindfolds over the faces are really annoying to me. I just find it to be overly anime and edgy. I just... I don't care for it. So, like, I don't care about any of the characters that inhabit the world. I don't care about the world itself. I do not like the way the world looks or the characters inhabiting said uninteresting world. I did not ever see any area in the game, and I'm like, I wonder what happened here. Like, what was the story? What caused this specific area to collapse? Oh, what? Who inhabited this area? Like, I felt... One game I will kind of give credit to of having a world that I do like looking at and do sometimes see things like, oh, I wonder what happened here, is honestly, Horizon Forbidden West is a mm-hmm. game I will give credit to of having a world that when I see landmarks and other locations, I do think like, you know what, I'll bite. What did happen here? I do want to know. This is interesting enough and there's enough going on here where it's like, I am curious. Where near Autobot, it's like, you like Grey? You like do you like, you green? like the color white? Well, I think there's there's a lot of bright yellow and green at times. Do you like Twilight? Yeah, do you? Only so much, Mark. And Nier tells Wolf, if you like Twilight, you're gonna fucking mm-hmm. drown in it. Looking at this game, and it's like, all right, that's enough. I I don't eat that much. But just, okay. I mean this, and I'm trying to say this is flatly and not mean. I never felt there is a again. I said this last time we talked. There is a moment in Hi-Fi Rush that made me feel more than anything in near. And I'm not even saying like, oh, I was on the verge of tears. I was screaming with my fist in the air at Hi-Fi Rush. I wasn't. I was like, oh fuck, this is really cool. This is a really cool moment. It's made me appreciate the game more. That's Hi-Fi Rush. I never had anything even close to that in near. I just didn't. I just truth truthfully did not. Okay, I think I think that answers my question. Oh, and the world of Nier Automata. What's what what? Where did that sit with you? If there's any thoughts you had on it, I am gonna disagree with Peter on the aesthetic. In that, oh man, I can't believe that. No, no. I mean, like, while I 
think I generally have a preference towards more colorful things. I just, I felt like it was an intentional choice to be more gray and it obviously fit everything that was going on. So I, I wasn't longing for color. Like I, I, I felt, I felt like I was in the right place, the place I should be in while playing this game. Uh, and I, I am a little more on the side of finding some threads to pull at that I enjoyed, uh, than I am on Peter's side of, of finding nothing, but I don't think it's transcendent. Like I, I like Mm -hmm. Pascal. I've gone over how I like Pascal. Pascal's Mm -hmm. moments were, were typically my favorite moments. And, uh, we talked last time about how the whole like younglings uh suicide scene that so has, has some holes in it certainly has that, some holes in so it when fucking stupid when when i first played it though that was a moment for me of like oh shit like dude, didn't expect the game to do that there um and also mm-hmm. before that uh you get a little Pacific Rim moment with Pascal and it's not like the most engaging gameplay thing, but it was the type of moment where it was like, Oh, that's, that's cool that that is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I agree with what Peter was saying about the blindfold thing, mainly because it is the most on the nose. Like guess what it means when an Android doesn't have their blindfold on that that means they're seeing the truth (laughs) um uh maybe that's being too reductive but i don't think so like that that's in a game with adam and eve when a game when when parts of this game are just telling you something is what it is i look at adam and eve it's like yeah okay i'll I'll take your word for it you're just you're very you're just honest Mm mm-hmm I I wish and I'm I'm still looking for it, Mark, and, and this is your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because there I went into this game with a very open mind. I enjoyed my time. I have given the proper amount of time to the different things to chew on. And what I'm not finding is anything new, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I I was I was expected I was expecting to find something new, and what I found is, oh well, these androids and robots they're they're not humans, but they're obsessed with humans, and uh, I feel like there's a commentary going on about how like. Well, when they mimic humans, what do they do? They turn into mm-hmm. animals and just start killing each other. Uh, and all of the different uh, attempts at philosophy in this, I think it's interesting that they're pulling from that subject matter, but there wasn't there wasn't really anything said beyond the fact that, oh, some of these characters kind of represent philosophies and and they're just living in their world with, with this mm-hmm. philosophy. 
Uh, like, like the best way, like what I, I, I had a lot of turning points with this game where I, I was playing through the first playthrough, playthrough A, finish and playing through most of it being like, I think this game sucks. This is so boring. Uh, the story here is either nonsensical or very shallow. Uh, I finished the first playthrough and just the scene of just to be just really being really open just at Ninus's, uh, Ninus being safe after that fight and just ending on that. I thought it was a little heartfelt and the, the, the game goes to play through B and you start out with the other robots, these little machines. And I was like, oh, there's more to say here. We're reflecting on it. We're going back. Uh, and thought that was really interesting. But like, what is the point of this? And I think the the big story beat for me that really is the core of what when I'm chewing on it and looking at the rest of the the story is just the game sets us up with glory to mankind. We are part of Yorha. We are fighting for the humans who are on the moon trying to win against this uh, age, this super long war uh, against these aliens who have taken Earth with their machines and just hoping to kind of like see this play through. And there just comes a point in the like throughout this story, like that's not really focusing too much on that. But like, I feel like that's some of the biggest meat we have to chew on is like the reveal. Like I want to see the humans. I want to meet them the, for the war that we're fighting for them. Or I want to meet the aliens. Like what's going on here. And then just a moment, just find one with Adam and Eve. Like, Oh, the aliens are dead. They've been dead. Oh, okay. That's honestly kind of disappointing. That was one of the big things we had. And then later on, you just realize, Oh, the humans also died a long time ago. Also, kind of disappointing of a reveal. Just like, oh well, then why are we kind of doing this? And that's a really big part of it. Just like, there really hasn't been an answer to this. Uh, everyone who's been fighting this fight, there's just nothing left. Everything, the world is over, basically. But there's still a lot of people in it who have nothing to do. Uh, they need a purpose, something to go on. And a lot of people stick to the Yorha stick. Some of the machines even sticking to their stick, just their own programming. But so many outliers are spread or, or like scattered throughout the game, just trying to find their own answer. Like a lot of these machines and androids are still on their autopilot fighting their war. That doesn't mean anything, but you find so many other people just in the midst of that, just realizing there's, I don't have to be doing this. There's a life I could be starting, uh, just kind of exploring and figuring things out about the world themselves and just trying to see that those those lives those those perspectives kind of sprinkling in through there because like the first playthrough i look at it as just like okay you do kind of just get that yorha lens and just get the information but then you get more from uh, the other perspectives that nine sees you also see additional scenes with all the machines learning more about themselves and just like it almost feels nonsensical and disjointed in the sense that some of these stories almost all these stories don't play too much into that main overarching theme and that's some of this chewiness there is just like these kind of almost like i feel like to say that these these parts of the games are almost like anthologies is giving them too much credit uh but the the main plot points whether it is i, I we haven't even talked about like simone the first boss fight one of the, i think is the more interesting machines and just the little moments we see her in her boss fight that there's a lot of character just in her yeah, I I found Simone interesting specifically on the on the 9S playthrough when you get uh her kind of background like 
it what it wasn't the type of thing that it was like oh now i get it but it's like okay mm-hmm. like you're doing more here yeah and i respect the fact that you're doing more here um and i i've even looked into some of the background there of who Simone represents from a philosophical standpoint. And she's speaking to Jean Paul, who is one of the side quests that I did do. And, and he's also a philosopher. And I, I find that like at least reasonably interesting. Do I think they're doing anything besides attempting to kind of recap what said philosopher used to think? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they're doing anything else. I they can't were, figure out if they are. Was, what were you more gripped by? That? Just that is uh, just the first example that came to mind. That or Ish from The Last of Us Part 1? What do you find more gripping and what do you, what, like, what stuck with you more? Um, now, Because I feel like they both play a similar thing of, like, interesting stories no, in the background yeah. if you actually seek them out. I think I, it's a fair comparison, yeah. I, uh... I'm not sure if I had a firsthand experience with Ish or if I had really? more, more so oh, just man. heard about it. Uh, to be honest, I played The Last of Us a long time ago, and I don't... You have to say, to be honest, you know, it's, it's you haven't just... Well, I'm sorry that I led my sentence with yeah. a phrase. Like, to be honest, I've been keeping a lie from you all no. this entire time. My, my, my honesty relates more towards, like, I couldn't tell you if I had an original experience with Ish because it's all just blended into this point. Um, Yikes, he calls himself a Last of Us fan. Can you believe this guy? Jeez. But this guy didn't even play Left Behind. Jeez. I did. I didn't. Um, (laughs) I I didn't. So you're the bigger fan. Which, side note, watching the Left Behind episode in the show was very cool, not knowing all the details of it. That was my least favorite episode in the show. What? Well, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, but that was my least favorite episode of the show. I was bored. But. Oh, I was bored. It didn't advance the plot the whole time. No, plus I liked 8 and 9 a hell of a lot more than 7. I thought 7 was great, but we're talking about Nier Automata. Um, eh. the the one thing the context, not to like be like, well, actually, to you, Owen, but a lot what of the the, pol- the I I am going to a little bit, and that's okay, it's fine. I'm not the the thing with the philosophers that they're getting at is like it does have all these philosophers' perspectives and like their their own ideologies that are like really monumental in history of philosophy, but a lot of them get top like twisted on their head where it's like this is what they believe but then they poke holes in all of them into why in certain in a lot of situations they don't exactly always work um and i i couldn't really off the top of my head really go through to point out how all of them don't work but i can at least point at the calls where everyone is just obviously just killing themselves and just offing themselves at uh the opportunity at a better afterlife you know just becoming as gods you know uh, and even uh, there, there's something had, that we had, whether it's in side quests or not, that they're really trying to say with everybody, where it's like there are ants, like people who are looking for these purposes have found like really what are popular answers to it in history. But even then, these aren't all encompassing uh, one size fits all kind of thing like these. It still isn't enough. It is more asking the question, I think, uh, for these people who are finding purpose, uh, it is still not enough. Uh, Can it is I- still flawed 
Can I bring up just one point I've noticed that is another indictment of the game throughout mm-hmm. this whole conversation? Have we brought up 2B even once? I, I have. Like, 2B is easily my favorite character of someone who... She, she's pretty quiet for most of the game, but because she's kind of, like, chewing on all, a lot of this, she's been through the cycle the most. She has the most figured out where she seems. I feel like part of why I really liked, especially in retrospect, the ending of the first episode, or first ending, is that she's... It's, it's not that she's just, like, this cold... Uh, killer who's good at her job she's just been through these motions so so often uh and like all the stuff we're piecing together about the world how it works the hopelessness of it all she's i think it's she knows enough about all this she's find her way and like despite throughout all this she doesn't really have a strong like beginning middle end story but like you just kind of understand the, the journey she has been on through all this that in this world that we've seen so many different people's uh, stories in, we can kind of see her, like her take on it, just with how she settled with Nina. She has struggled. She is struggling with how she has to kill the person she loves over and over and over again, and constantly be reintroduced to this. But in in this world, there's nothing she would rather do than that. Uh, Owen, and- did you feel anything he just said? I be honest. Be no, honest. no, I didn't. But. Uh- Okay, I I have a few more thoughts. I'm I'm chewing at. I there is something to the Say, fact that was the time you're you're holding back. No, Let that go. I there is something to the fact of like oh, two B's been through this cycle. That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything with that though, and like, uh-huh. I, I think this is my biggest issue with Nier Automata, and I think this can be a game wide issue in general because it's it is fun when you're analyzing media whether that be games movies tv it is fun to try and come up with the uh, for lack of a better phrase the the smart thing of oh i understood this well enough that i can encapsulate in one to three sentences like what this thing is about like uh I, I'm just creating something on the fly here. Like, oh well, what what succession is really about is is greed in in corporate America. That's the most obvious thing that could ever be said. But like, you get my point. You see this, especially on social media, a lot. You see that kind of quick sort of summary that people give, and I've done it before. I find it enjoyable. Uh, but it also needs to be backed up. And there's a lot of that going on with Nier Automata. That quick sort of summary of, of Nier Automata is about X. Mm-hmm. And that X is is this super profound thing. And then I ask for examples of that being showcased. And it is the greatest exercise in subtext that exists. Because there's often not actual examples. There are just implications that may or may not exist. And then in order to reach the conclusion that people love this game have reached, you have to take some massive leaps. And I'm just not sure 
I'm cool with that. And, and I can illustrate it on a smaller level relating specifically to near where you bring up questions of like, well, why, why do you play as nine S in, in the second playthrough? Why, why are you doing all of the same stuff again? Minus the ending portions. And someone can say like, Oh, well they do that sort of thing in, in a book or a movie all the time where you see stuff from, from a different character's perspective. And I can hear the explanation and think, okay, yeah, they're right. But then when I think about it, it's like, well, if this happened in a movie, like the the camera would really guide you. Like you would, you would see, they would make sure that you're seeing things that are different because you're in a different perspective. Or if you're reading a book, you're very likely in the character's head, hearing their thoughts. And you, that that is the most obvious use of uh of the different perspective. Like you would actively be getting their different thoughts. So it would, it would feel entirely new. But playing as nine S did not feel like a different perspective. It felt like I had different gameplay with occasionally extra cutscenes tied in. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at 2B in a different way because I played as 9S because the mm-hmm. game the game never the game never showed me anything different about 2B and it mm-hmm. can't all be on me the game needs to show you those things in order for it to be a takeaway mm-hmm. is it not I know I don't know if it's Yoko Taro, the director, who specifically said this. I know developers, I, I think it was Yoko Taro, but a big thing there. And this, I know I resonate with this. When you are controlling a character versus uh, just kind of witnessing their actions and things they say as like a party member, there's players have different responses to those, whether it is that you are, it, it is more memorable when it's the character you're controlling, you are de- doing and saying things to them. Versus they are around. I don't know if that really does any heavy lifting there for for you guys. Not that like I think this is a monumental part of the game, but like that's where some of the difference is there too. I definitely feel for Ninus a little bit more. Not like not like I think he's like a better character all of a sudden because I'm playing him because I'm seeing these scenes. But it's maybe arguably i want to say a corny way to say it, but like there's a bit more of intimacy with that. I think when you're kind of controlling the character, uh, does that resonate at all with you guys? Peter, do you, do you want to say no? Or should I? Yeah, no, it, I'm sorry. It really doesn't. It's, 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 it's I would say acquired tasty kind of thing. Like it's not something I expect at all, but like, it's something I know I appreciate with it. It's not like the defining thing I love about this game, but it's enough of a difference that I kind of, uh, I definitely recognize something there. Well, whatever difference there is, I I would say it's, uh, marginal. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of, maybe I remember a little bit better what nine S said because I, played as him mm-hmm. but honestly I, mean, it, I, I couldn't say if that's the case or not 
it doesn't help that I feel like a lot of things that happen are nonsensical. And there's a lot of parts of this game, like plot beats, especially when, let's say, Adam and Eve are on the screen, where I just feel like I can say, I, I even like to point a bad example here. Uh, bad example isn't not really maybe strongest for me liking it, but like there's things about liking Nier Automata and really liking it that reminds me of, oh, I also really like Xenoblade Chronicles too. And there's a lot of really cool moments in this game and a strong story, I do think, in that game. But there's just a couple of moments that are just like real blemishes on it, or is it a bit different? Xenoblade has Xenoblade 2 has blemishes on it for completely different reasons, and maybe some not so different reasons. Um, but just certain scenes are just like, oh, this is kind of weird. This doesn't really make sense. I don't think this adds anything to it. Uh, like the part with the credits we were talking about, like Adam and Eve kind of being all over the place. Um, but there's more around that that I do really like. I like how a lot of the characters all feel small in a sense. Like, I, I like. You could argue that a lot of the characters are super undeveloped, but the fact that I, I think so many people in this world, even the side quests, some of them are really simple, but I think profound. Just in that it's just about small people's kind of story. Like, not not everyone in this bleak world is the most profound person. And I think that's part of the what I like about it, is that even, like, some of the, the smallest people, the people who aren't the most developed, the most basic, or not, not necessarily boring, uh, all still have to come to terms with this decision this this question of purpose in this world and just seeing some people who maybe are more uh of individuals like a pascal like a simone versus a side quest of these two machines who are sisters they they consider each other sisters even though they're really not as th there's no, no real defining thing that really separates them from being a sibling uh to any of the other machines because they're all just so faceless bland they're all very similar but they still construct these identities and that's enough for them so a question uh, i have just for owen really uh -huh. a thought experiment for the both of us why did everything he just say really not land with us in this game why did like, so much of what this game was going for why did you and i just look at it and either scoff or shrug do you think so for one we didn't do as much of the side stuff. I did a little That's bit. True. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you came across a little bit of it as well. Like from from my understanding right now, I think we're getting close to wrapping this up and to answer the question like what is there to get about it? I think you guys get it. But it's just not something that resonates with you. Where people feel like some of these things are really profound, I think you find really underwhelming and that's fine. Is that does that resonate at all is that I, what this feels me, like to you guys I, I just can't stress enough how much the art style of this game took me out how much i did not i know i said it before but i can't stress enough that might have been one of my biggest barriers into really mm -hmm. getting at this game because i just there's nothing for me as someone who cares a lot about art styles and character designs, there's nothing for me to latch onto. Mm -hmm. there's no vista like there's even like vistas or locations in old Fucking like 360 and PS3 and PS2 games that still to this day I'm like oh wow mm -hmm. even if it's not like visually amazing it's just like the like the idea of it and how it's done 
Like, there are locations at Kingdom Hearts 2 that even still to this day that make me go, like, this is really cool, this is really impressive, this makes mm-hmm. me excited. And you look at it graphically, it looks like shit now, but that just didn't matter. Where like, the, But there's nothing in Nier Automata that I, I... I never had a moment where I stopped and went, whoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amusement park is what I think is, like, the one people maybe gravitate the most. But, like, the City of Ruins we're talking about, I don't think it is held to such a high degree of, like, this environment is really cool to so explore. Much, it's like so much happens in the City of Ruins. So much it's, of it. It's the hub. It is, like, the Hyrule field of Akuma. And it's such it an is ugly the core hub. of all of them. And and every the building. It's, it's supposed to be. But, no, but like, look, again, if I can break up another one, Horizon for Bed West. How even The mm-hmm. Last of Us are two post-apocalyptic oh, yeah. worlds. And I love looking at those. There's so mm-hmm. much to doing with the environment. And again, Last of Us was a PS3 game. Yeah. I don't even say Zero Dawn. The... I don't even say Forbidden West. Like, there's just nothing. Up, like, looking at the ruined city. And then when the area, wherever, like, and when you go fight. E Adam, you fight Adam in that one city where Nine S is trapped. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that going course. like, well, this is just like overly complicated design. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. here. I'm going, well, this is really cool. It just seemed like, I don't know. It just it seemed like there was one button and they pressed it in a lot, like White Castle, like White Castle I mean, exterior, like this the- that. Press that a million times, like that's the entire world. Like, well, this isn't this really. It's, it's it is very much a near time. It is very much a a lower budget game than any first party Sony studio, of course. And this is not a game when they put this out that they expected to get the response that they did. Of course, like this was supposed to be a B tier JRPG release. I want to say in the the eyes of scope. I'm not saying they have to meet the first party PlayStation quality. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying this has to be a horizon or the last of us. I'm just saying, I want to look like Mark dirt. Like, like the biggest thing I feel like what would have saved the city ruins era area if every building wasn't copy pasted. Like oh every building God. is the, the same. The buildings point. that that is what I was going to call out. I I wanted to early in my playthrough believe that I would find something in the buildings, and then after like going through two or three of them, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. There really is not in there. Like it is not. It is not trying to be an open world game, but there is just this big space of nothing. And I I do think that's a very big weak point for it, is that there isn't a lot. To, you, you don't get necessarily super rewarded for exploring that space, that space that you exist the most in. But I the music does the change. the carnival is the only real unique location. It is. It's what it comes to look. I mean, the factory I also like. I like the factory, too. It's a factory. It is a factory where a cult lives, and they run it to do their cult, and then everyone jumps into lava. And then there's the desert, which they try nothing with, and then... Desert's pretty boring, I'm not gonna lie. I like the forest. The forest, the way that it transitions between 3D and 2D, like in the... I also like the linear perspectives. I I I like that. Yeah, that was neat. But Pascal's Village itself is just... The music's nice here. It's Mm -hmm. gentle. It's calming. Um... I think uh, my ultimate takeaway with this game is the thing that I found cool and impressive about it was the way it was willing to change up gameplay so often um, and have all of these different modes of what would be considered like the core gameplay between the twin stick shooter, the more action focused gameplay. Um, I, I keep calling out the small pascal moment but like those 
types of things don't happen in other games. Uh, and I, I find that cool. As far as the emotional and philosophical depth of the game, I, I, I still almost don't even want to believe you, Mark, when, when you said, like, you think we actually got it and it just doesn't resonate with us. Oh, really? Okay. Be, because I, I really, I really want there to be more, mainly because I just, uh, I feel like I've seen it all in sci-fi before, like mm-hmm. the the totally robots actually, away. the robots all, and they're all robots in this game. They actually have feelings, mm-hmm. and uh, the the cycle of violence just keeps getting perpetuated. Um, it's like a game where it's like you have to become friends and you have all these characters that on paper, oh, they don't feel anything, but mm-hmm. in reality they do. And there's all these organizations and different groups of people. Mark, you, you, I, like, I'm actually talking about Kingdom Hearts, Mark. I'm talking about Kingdom Hearts. Do you st- there's certain parts of the, like, certain parts of the story that you're latching onto it's like i think i've heard this somewhere before like i i think and especially when this game came out a lot of one of the biggest i think uh things people were praising it about that i think still sticks with to this day that people would say is that Naratomata excels at being a strong video game narrative like this game this game story would not thrive as a film. I mean, they're making an anime. I'm, I'm waiting for that. I know there's I'm, more. I'm actually assuming. I I might give the anime a try just out of curiosity because yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they do it better if they actually add context to things. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. I mean, they're telling a very linear story, and it's going to have a stronger beginning, middle, and end. Where I think like uh, something I really pre- appreciated about it, but only after I finished beating it. Because honestly, it did feel like a bit of a slog when I was actually playing the game, which I like, especially in that B playthrough, which is the biggest slog of just you are doing so much of what you've done over again. Um, but it's just like the smaller moments of perpetually just kind of like experiencing a lot of the stories alongside just what is the main plot. That I don't, know, I don't like feeling like I'm trying to solve a helix cube to just understand the story. That's mm-hmm. what Nier Automata felt like to me. Or it's just like, there are some stories that, t- that choose to tell their narrative in a very complicated way, both with the vocabulary they use and how vague of terms they decide, like how vague characters and locations and events are decided to be. Because I, I feel like they're trying to add this sense of awe to it and myst- and like mis- like mystery when... But the only automata, it's like you're not mysterious to me. You're just like you're you're trying to be mysterious to me. You're mm-hmm. near just came off to me like, oh, we're like we're keeping the story so close to our chest. We can't tell you everything right away. It would ruin everything. It's you're gonna want to see this. You're really gonna want to. And throughout the game, they kept giving me tidbits. I'm like, where's the full course? This is nothing. And then by the time you get there, it's like, you know what? This this isn't what I thought it would be. This isn't what I was told it would be. This isn't what I, I've seen Gene Park talking about on Twitter for God knows how long. And more power to him that he was able to have this connection with this game. But I just, the way people talked about this game for years. And I just, yeah, to my final statement. 
is Mark's talking about how Owen and I, you and I, we get it, we get it, and you just, it didn't fit for you. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know if I ever will get it. Even when I get the story, I don't understand. I look at everyone else and be like, everyone, we've seen a lot of this before. Why is this leaving, why is this leaving such an impact with you when we've had other narratives that tell very similar stories to this? Mm-hmm. I, I'll never know. I will it's... simply never know. Owen, your closing thoughts on this? Well, I'm curious if you ever looked into the review from Skill Up. I did. I did. And there's a lot of what? things that I've... I I, th- I felt like he was a little flowery at times, or just like we're kind of like talking in circles about like how good something is over and over, and then later on, like so it's like fourteen minutes in, then we'll say like what he why he thinks it kind of works, and I was like okay, I kind of agree, and then I kind of it's, disagree at times. That's a perfect example of because it's not like a spoiler filled review of saying over and over again like what this game represents, what it achieves, how powerful it is. And I just like, want to know, like, okay, what are the what moments? What game are what, you playing? What, what, I just want examples. It's like, sh- like, show me show me the line, the line that got you, the moment that got you. It just in, in every other thing, in a movie or TV any show. any other like, form of media. You have to point out, like, oh, man, when when they said this, it just got to me so much because I started thinking this way. It's like, yeah, I want just, like, a little bit of evidence here of, like, like, what led to these feelings. I think a comparison I can make that maybe sounds weird, like, the things that I think I like the most about Nier Tom, the things I'm the most excited for, the things I resonate the most are things that I, I like when I say them out loud, sound boring on paper, sound so underwhelming, so small. But this game is just so good at enveloping all these little small moments in this world with this overarching theme of these people just trying to find this purpose in it. Um, like, and I, I feel like that is like the intentional, uh, like aspect like a thing they're going for because like even uh you guys probably don't know this there is a near mobile game out there and the way that this game constantly gets updates is like you're kind of like this character and has like a little companion you're going through like this this weird world i i don't follow it really but like the story just is like you kind of reach like these pillars and they just tell small vignettes of people uh, and they're like small stories they're not the most complex characters maybe not the most unique maybe not even the most likable but it is just these small very human stories um that i think maybe a lot like alone i I don't play the mobile game because i I don't need another mobile game but i i do think that that sentiment is like very much there in near automata i think something i really like about near automata is that 2b and 9s they don't feel any bigger than a lot of the side characters. And in fact, I think a lot of there's a couple side characters that definitely overshadow them. But Tubi is still my favorite character in the game. I, I as someone who really likes, I can really enjoy uh, some slice of life stories that are really about the smallest things that a lot of people might feel like really bored on. Like I can get really interested in that because at their core, they're just like these small, really human things that I feel like are really easy to resonate. Small slice of life, not not slice of life, but like. The things that I like the most about some of these characters and some of these stories about are like these really small tales that like on their own 
could really be looked as just like this is like a boring fetch quest. I don't know how this adds to anything, but like I feel like all of them are just enough different flavors, and I haven't emphasized this enough. Part of the reason why the, the like the reason why if you had to play this game in the first place, Peter, is just how the soundtrack just really sets such this weird, unique tone to it all. Like favorite moments of the game. Oh, when you were talking about like uh, what are these moments that like struck this in you? And the moments for me in the time that I mentioned before, just seeing the ending, the two like when 2B is just so emotional that 9S is okay, the most emotion you kind of see for her, and then the game starts over, and I'm just like, okay. I'm I'm curious. I feel like there's more there. Like that felt like something, and I understood the game had more to say, and it's like I want to trust this game and kind of like gave it my hand. But on top of that, a lot of the side quests, um, there's specific songs that only play when you're uh finished with the side quest there's a lot of side quests where you get rewards of course like you'd expect in an rpg but then a lot of quests that just kind of end super abruptly and dinus and tubi just questioning what just happened why did i even help you this is really weird and there's just certain songs that just only play at the end of these side quests that you just kind of sit with it and they're so uh so perfect for the tones of just kind of like sitting on and reflecting from like this weird perspective like the story you just kind of went through and just in sitting with the, these moments one of them for example um i know there's this like one side quest uh, a guy who is trying to build these memory chips and like needs your help to get these uh these chips to help his family out like he needs needs these chips to kind of help put them back together and by the time you finish the story you find out oh he's not putting them together He's creating this family from scratch that he's put up in his head in nine S and two. We're like, oh, this is this guy's kind of out of it actually, and kind of weird that he's putting it together and plays like a song and just like this weird. Some people might even look at it as a little cringy, but just like this is where this one guy is at. He is just trying to build this purpose and the fact that he can just create a family from scratch the way he wants to, and that's just where he's at. He's he's one little weirdo in this world. And Ninus and Tubi confused by it and just go on back to their adventure. And uh, there's a couple songs, I don't remember which one it is, that are the side quest songs. But those are the moments that really kind of help weave this this kind of moment into the game. And really trying to help express what uh, the game is trying to get you to feel in these smaller moments. There's so much in this game that is so small. But under the umbrella of just uh, the theme stated of purpose, these people looking for for something here in this world that is over the world, a world that is trying to hide from everybody. That the world has ended. We are struggling to keep a reason to keep any sort of order to keep give anyone a reason to keep going. And there's just obviously cracks in the system here. You see people who are trying to figure it out. Some people who are broken by it. Like how I said, some of the side quests are just as simple as there's just a bunch of machines. There's one machine who's just constantly trying to kill himself, and you can just find him on these high ledges just jumping off, and eventually he succeeds. And you, you don't get anything from it. You can pick up, like, the little loot, but it's just like, oh, Ninus is really uncomfortable from finding this guy. Doobie's just like, that, that's just his answer here. Let's keep going. And then one of the songs play. And it is those, those are the best moments in the game. And the credits, where it is kind of like, in the adversity of everything, um, there's just this one hopeful moment at the end that really ties it together. Well, I think it's fitting 
to give you the final word on this podcast talking about Nier Automata. I don't we know. should end Stop. we should end on your positive note there. Uh I I did find a lot of that very interesting, but this has been a long episode of the Bandit Gaming been. Podcast. And it's episode ninety nine. We hit triple digits next time, baby. All right. See you all next time. Bye. Adios, everybody.